Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tales from the Backlog. My name is Dave Jackson, and this is a video games podcast where I bring in guests to talk about the games that we play. My guest today is a good friend, the artist behind the podcast cover art that we all know and love so much, and a special treat, for he is the actual furtive pygmy, Jack Allen. Hey, Jack. Hey, how's it going? Um, yes, I'm the furtive pygmy, the most <laughs> forgotten of the Lord's souls. <laughs> uh, it's good to have yeah. you on, man. Thank you. It's it's great to be on. I, it's so cool to be a, a part of the podcast and uh, be a guest. It's uh, an honor. Thank you. Hell yeah. So the game we're going to be talking about today is the one and only Dark Souls, which is an action RPG developed by From Software and published by Namco Bandai Games in 2011. Ten years ago, Dark Souls was released. Uh, elevator pitch for Dark Souls is, we'll say, difficult but fair. That's Actually, those three words are enough. Difficult but fair uh, action RPG. Sound right to you? Yeah. If I was in an elevator and like you pitched difficult but fair, I'd probably just go also a fashion simulator. Yeah, we'll we'll get to we'll talk about fashion <laughs> souls a little bit too. That's yeah. I mean, it's been out for ten years and super fans have been going at it for ten years. So like we have an entire like spin off. I don't think from software could have anticipated the the fashion mm. souls aspect. Yeah, it's it's one of the most uh, interesting parts of Dark Souls, I think, that no one thought would happen. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> so, uh, but before we get into our games, we always have a little warm-up chat about what we've been playing recently. So, Jack, what have you been playing recently other than Dark Souls? Um, I've been playing Breath of the Wild, Legend of Zelda. Yeah. Um, my first time, yeah. You just got um, a Switch, I know right? Yes, uh, you kind of inspired me to get into that. I saw you did a review for it, and you were playing through it uh, maybe earlier on this year. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it kind of felt like Dark Souls, but like uh, with sunlight. You know? <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> and like bright, you know. And I know Dark Souls and Zelda are kind of closely linked, uh, pun intended, I suppose. Ah, oh, Jesus but Christ. Okay. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> uh but so, yes i've been loving breath of the wild yeah i was just gonna say so how's uh how's breath of the wild been treating you um really good it, it's combat system is very deep and unfair and i like that it, <laughs> it's really giving me like i didn't know you could parry or jump um until like maybe 10 hours into the game and i was like this is why i suck now i can like get in on that um, combat <laughs> system. And I, I just love it. Uh, it it's so fun and, and relaxing where compared to like other games, like the one we're talking about, Dark Souls, it's a different type of like clenching butthole experience. Yeah. Like Breath of the <laughs> there's, Wild is like... <sighs> there's definitely some tight butthole moments in Breath of the Wild for sure. <laughs> uh, if it makes you feel yeah. any better, I played Breath of the Wild for probably about 90 to 100 hours before I learned to parry two. And once you okay. do, the game becomes a lot easier. But yeah, I went a long ass time without parrying. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's skill. I think that's the thing. Yeah. I like a skill based game. How do you like the uh, the weapon uh, durability system in Breath of the Wild? That's kind of the the lightning rod for the game. Yeah, I like it. I think it's good. It kind of forces you to keep uh, changing it up. Spears, boomerang, swords. So you're not yeah. just 
holding on to the one weapon. I think it's a really cool mechanic. I just wish you could kind of repair them a little bit. But um, the fact that you can throw your sword mm-hmm. and get double damage is neat. That's a good trade-off. Yeah, it's very cool. And I don't know. I don't remember ever getting to a situation where you're like run out of weapons. You're just constantly like picking up weapons and replacing it. So yeah, I don't know. If, if Breath of the Wild 2 gets rid of the durability system, I don't think I'll miss it. But I also didn't hate it when I was playing Breath of the Wild. Yeah, exactly. I always think of like uh, from early versions of Legend of Zelda, like A Link to the Past, which was one of the first video games I ever played, mm-hmm. um, where I always imagined Link, like he just has pockets full of weapons and items, like a huge <laughs> backpack. And he's just yeah. like walking around. <laughs> that <laughs> you know, tunic they, they has magic that. pockets. Yeah, they kept that into the into the Breath of the Wild, which I think is kind of fun. Like just oh, an yeah. abundance of items. Yeah, so uh, in Breath cool. of the Wild, instead of carrying you know, one sword and one hammer and one boomerang, you're carrying like 16 swords and four hammers and like a bunch of other weapons. Yeah, he's, he's like, uh, he's a hoarder. I think uh, Link has a bit of a problem, you know. Uh, he's kind of like, he's kind of like got a backlog of uh, Steam games like us. <laughs> <laughs> Link is all but of us. hammers. Yeah. Yeah. If Link, uh, <laughs> if Link knew what a podcast was, perhaps he would have a podcast called Tales from the the weapon backlog yeah <laughs> you just oh, imagine God. him and mario uh, discussing <laughs> like different items <laughs> uh they're both uh, i don't know at least mario keeps it pretty uh he keeps it pretty minimalistic he's he's got maybe two things mm. at a time link is uh link's yeah. carrying all the trash that he ki- that he picks up he's like the skyrim uh protagonist <laughs> Yeah, I, I'd actually love to listen to that podcast of Link interviewing like different game protagonists, and that'd be so so fun. Like Mario's just like just double jump, just just double jump, man. Now that I think about it, Link would have to speak for the first time ever, so I'm not sure how good of a podcast host he would actually be. But yeah, yeah, I'd say he'd sound like um, Midnight Gospel. I don't know what you know, that, just, I'm not sure what that means. He, Midnight Gospel. Oh, it's it. It's a it's like a Netflix kind of podcast show, uh, right? Right. But it's it's got this kind of like very young sounding voice. The guy from Adventure Time. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. In my well, head. What if like what if Wink, what if Link hasn't spoken for thirty years or however long it's been since Zelda was first uh, thirty five years or whatever? So he mm. hasn't spoken this whole time. So his voice is all atrophied and he sounds like Tom Waits or something like that. <laughs> 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 yeah i we can make it happen yeah i know some voice <laughs> actors let's get it going there you go yeah yeah get some voice actors on the case yeah <laughs> it's always good to have a side project yeah for sure so you've been playing anything else other than breath of the wild or is that just like sucked you in it, it sucked me in but i've i've recently also got into outer wilds okay um, that's the one with the uh it's like space simulator and yeah. um with the time loop you, you're yeah you're doing a time loop i didn't even know it was a time loop the first time i played it and oh. it, it, it blew my mind <laughs> um okay <laughs> yeah i remember yeah. the first time it happened and i was just sort of like holy shit yeah, i'm hooked and yeah. this was before i ever played hades and like i was really getting into the uh the whole um what what are those games called again? You know where it's just constantly looping or oh, when you keep dying and repeating over and yeah. over and over, like roguelikes and stuff like that. Roguelike, like Hades yeah. is a roguelike. 
I don't know if yeah, uh, exactly. I don't know if I'd call Outer Wilds a roguelike because it's it just feels different, even though it's like functionally the same thing happening. You're doing a time mm. loop. It's like I wouldn't call Majora's Mask, you know, a roguelike, even though you're doing a time loop there too. Um, enjoy that game, man. A lot of people say that that's like one of their favorite games ever. So enjoy it. Yeah, you can just chill, listen to banjos, and yeah, I mean, every game needs an option where you can roast a marshmallow. Yeah, I'm thinking of a couple a of games. There's a game uh, uh, called Mortal Shell that's like a dark. It's actually a Souls like uh, that's that's really really good, but it has a like a, a fake out ending where some guy you meet some guy and he's just like playing a lute by a fire and drinking, and he's like, "Hey man, do you just want to join me and say like fuck this main quest shit? You want to just like play the lute and chill with me? And you can say yes, and it just like the credits roll, and that's how your game ends." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, that game's that game's really good if you're looking for more souls uh inspired mm. stuff. Yeah, I've I've been contemplating that one. I've I've watched it through its development and I was just I just love its uh animation. Yeah. Trainers. It's quality. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh what do you say we get into Dark Souls, man? Let's do it. Let's dive in. All get right. Murky. Dark Souls, uh, uh, we're going to talk about this when we get into talking about the story for Dark Souls, but Dark Souls' story is not super spoilable. Like, there, there's a lot of, like, deep lore and things to dig into, but the story itself, if you get spoiled on the story, it will not ruin your experience of playing the game. But we are going to save, like, kind of story talk for the end, though, as you've heard in previous episodes, the story in Souls-like games is like my total weak point figuring out what's happening. So we'll save that for the end. And we will also save our experiences with like going through the game, specific levels, things that I think people should experience for the first time unspoiled. If you're listening to this and you have not played dark souls. So we will have a spoiler section at the end and then we will announce a a little surprise at the end too. So (laughs) wait for that. Very cool. (laughs) We also hope, if you haven't played Dark Souls, that you'd like to try it out after listening to this podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 100%. We, we're going to do our best job of selling you on playing Dark Souls if you've made it this far without playing it. So we usually get the show started by talking about our histories with the game. And I mean, Dark Souls is such like a pillar of the last decade of uh, video games. This is an interesting one. So we start out by talking about what got us interested in playing this in the first place. So Jack, if you can remember, uh, when did you first play dark souls and what got you interested in it? Um, I, I would have to say I would not be uh, a fan of dark souls without my uh, best friend, Tom. And okay. uh, shout out to Tom, by the shout way, out to Tom. Uh, he will, yeah. he will be listening. He's a good guy. He, he definitely will follow up a good link. 
Uh-huh. And um, came home from college one day and saw him playing on his PlayStation 3. This game that looked like Skyrim, but different. You know, they were right around the same time. I was like, why aren't you playing Skyrim? And he was just like, nah, I found something better. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, he, he was just in the, he was in the first level. And I sat down and my first kind of core memory of Dark Souls, it's like a core memory, like, you know, chunk right down into your brain that you'll hold forever, um, was the weightiness of the character. And it was like the night and he was just trunching around. <laughs> and I was just, I was just sort of like, dude, this is so slow. And like uh-huh. he swung the weapon and you could feel the weight behind it. And I was like, I have never seen a game that had the, the amount of weight in the character movement. And I was hooked pretty much from that, that moment. Yeah. And that, and then I saw the roll and I was like, ooh, <laughs> the fat slow roll. roll. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But that was my first moment playing, uh, seeing Dark Souls. And I think I sat with them for about five or six hours. We just explored the game, and that's usually how I used to experience games as a kid. My older brothers would would play, and I would watch, take right. out my sketchbook, and do some drawing. You know, so it was another kind of cool experience like that. And uh, for for anyone who has any artistic ability, Dark Souls just has like limitless uh, inspiration for drawing in there. There's so much cool shit. Yeah, it's so surreal. Um, you're never going to find something that you've you've seen in other games, yeah. you know. And if you do, it's going to be have a nice fun twist. Yeah. How many times at this point? How many times would you say you've played through uh, Dark Souls? Oh, maybe maybe thirty or forty times. <laughs> I would say, yeah, it's up there. I I was calculating my time played in the game, and we'll probably come to this later. Yeah. But I've played a lot of Dark Souls across every platform. Yeah. So for me, I actually don't remember what got me interested in Dark Souls. I think I, it was just one of those things where it was like unavoidable to hear people praising it. And um, mm. I don't remember. I didn't play it at release. I think I played it a couple years later. Um, and like as soon as I started playing it, it was really frustrating at the beginning but also like as we'll get to it felt very fair um like when i died i was always like okay like i can learn something from this and that's not normally how i like approach games i i get frustrated pretty easily if i think that something is bullshit um i didn't really have that at the beginning of dark souls until um i got to the capra demon for my first time on my first playthrough and uh i got I rage quit Dark Souls and I didn't play again for six months. And I like, like I like researched like how to make a character, like how to make a good build. And then um, I went back through and like obviously went through the game and it really, I mean, it just kicked off my love for the, the From Software games. And since then um, I played all the Dark Souls games. I played Sekiro. I played Bloodborne multiple times. Uh, the Demon Souls remake was like a, as soon as I got my PS5, I was like, first thing, gotta play Demon Souls, and uh, I even went back and played Kingsfield Four, which is like from software before Demon Souls, and so it's wow. just like they've become my one of my like whenever they have a new game, gotta play that. So yeah, um, I've played through Dark Souls two and a half times now. Um, I like I said, my first time 
to Capra Demon and then two full playthroughs uh, since then. And I actually just bought it on Switch like last week because, <laughs> because like, I don't know, I just got this thing and I was like, I want to play Dark Souls when I'm laying in bed. So I bought it on Switch and I played through the first couple uh, levels of it. And so far it's pretty good on Switch too. So we'll we'll get another playthrough in there sometime. Yeah, who doesn't want to play Dark Souls while sitting on the toilet? Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean it's it's perfect for that. <laughs> I mean, if if you really need to like like go, the Capodimo is where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> well, if it, if you know if you're if you're clenching up so hard because you're fighting Ornstein and Smo, I'm not sure that yeah. it's I'm not sure it's going to be very helpful for you. But oh well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. They say like an oh shit moment where it's like a no shit moment instead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we are going to get into the kind of gameplay, key mechanics, things that makes Dark Souls special. And again, like by this point, if you're you're a video games fan, you've heard all about what makes Dark Souls special because people like me and Jack won't shut the fuck up about it. But... We're going to go through and talk about these mechanics, the mechanics that have inspired so many other games in the last decade. And I'm not forgetting Demon Souls here. Don't get mad at me. I'm aware Demon Souls came first, but Dark Souls was the breakout hit. So uh, we are going to get started with kind of a non-standard way to start on this podcast. And we are going to get started with our rules of Dark Souls. We've written down some like commandments uh, to kind of give new players or a uh, a little kind of hint as they go, or to give uh, veteran Dark Souls players a little laugh, uh, remembering uh, how things were the first time they played. So, uh, guest can get us started. Jack, what is rule number one for Dark Souls? The first rule is very important for Dark Souls, and I always try and tell a, a new player um, mm-hmm. like this after the after they've taken a few hits. Is shield up. Yeah. Shield up. Yep. Very simple. And that kind of plays into my rule number one, which is that you must ignore Dark Souls gatekeepers. Uh, people who will tell you not to play with a shield. Uh, people who will tell you ah. that you have to run around naked with the dragon tooth like you see all the mm-hmm. speedrunners do. Uh, people yeah. who tell you that you have to solo every boss and never summon help. Tell those people to go fuck themselves because you must ignore them. Play the game the way the game was designed, and shields are great yeah. in Dark Souls One. I think I think like gatekeepers are like a, an extra Dark Souls boss <laughs> that you have to like beat and <laughs> know yourself in real life when you play Dark Souls in real life. Like if you can overcome those gatekeepers, that's like you're already playing Dark Souls, so you've won. You know, yeah. you've already done it. So yeah, just keep your shield up because uh, if you if you keep dying, you know uh, you're probably gonna suffer and not play. So keep your shield up. Yep, shield's very helpful. What's your second rule? Uh, gravity is the law. <laughs> yes, <laughs> indeed. The, yeah, there's there's been many moments where like I've been I was trying to live stream with Tom, and my first completed version of Dark Souls was co-op. It was not a solo experience. It was 100% co-op. So anytime we'd be like, oh yeah, let's go fight this boss and we'd run towards the boss and get a cool shot, um, one of us would fall off a bridge Uh or a ledge. And and, and basically like gravity is just so fundamentally 
core to that game by how present it is you um, so, you yeah. take a lot of fall damage even if you don't fall into a bottomless pit so yeah you have to remember that gravity is the law that's a good rule it's very realistic i mean when you think about it you're you're a knight or a, a mage and like if i fall two feet in real life i'll, I'll like twist my ankle and go, god damn it <laughs> yeah, you exactly. know if i if i fall six foot like i'm gonna bust my knees but do that wearing armor you know good luck yeah um, it, it's kind of a nice touch that like uh, gravity is just so lethal yeah for sure it's not quite Witcher 3 Geralt levels of fall damage, but it's, it's pretty close. <laughs> yeah. My rule number two is that you must always send the elevator back. Whenever you take an elevator, send it back where it came from and dodge off of it, because chances are you're going to die and you don't want to wait for the elevator to come back down, especially when you're bashing your head against a boss. Yeah, it's, it's, it's save time for future you. Yeah, exactly. You know, be nice to you in the future. Yeah. Um, don't don't let yourself in the present be a dick in the past. <laughs> exactly. There you go. Yep. Always send the <laughs> elevator back. That's rule number two. Jack, what do you got for number three? This is this is probably um, one one of the ones I, I really took into life, um, especially during Christmas time, is smack every treasure chest. Yes. That was on my list too. Very good. Yes. <laughs> I'm very worded the same as well. I love your your rules are thou shalt. Yeah, smack thou shalt every smack chest. every treasure chest. Exactly. Yeah, you really got into it there. Um, and I do that in other video games now, even though I know that there's nothing nefarious about those treasure chests. It's just a habit mm-hmm. that will not die now. Yeah, and I love how in Dark Souls 2 the designers reiterated that into the game as well in a very unique way, yeah. Is it, it's in Dark Souls 2, maybe, that you can destroy whatever's in the chest if you smack the chest. Or maybe that's in Dark Souls 3, yeah. I can't remember. It's in 2, yeah. It's like, okay. just remember what you learned in Dark Souls 1, all those rules? Well, mm-hmm. unlearn them for Dark Souls 2. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's brutal design. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Yeah. So anytime someone gives me a gift, like birthdays, Christmas, uh-huh. I like give it a little smack yeah, just to make sure it's just not to make sure it's not, not going to attack nefarious. you. Yeah. I mean, nightmare feel. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we'll just, we'll just call that one. That was my number three as well. So what do you have for number four? Uh, Quelag uh-huh. is bay. Quelag <laughs> is bay. I... <laughs> okay. Um, it's it's my it's one of my joke ones really it just kind of snuck in there but um this game is you know it's filled with so many horrific things that by the time you get to quelag one of the bosses you're like oh oh really not so bad yeah (laughs) and then you're like oh oh but then 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 later on you're like oh yeah (laughs) (laughs) you you don't care about the other parts you see her for who she is yeah you you give (laughs) give it a little thought and you're like well i mean it's probably the best thing in the game so yeah yeah i mean it's it's that or like you know um or guinevere guinevere i suppose yeah (laughs) actually yeah but 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 then you know what you're getting yeah you know for sure um my number four is uh, thou shalt dodge forward. So when an enemy is attacking you, 
uh, your instincts in every other game is to dodge backwards or dodge to the side. When in Dark Souls, it's often a better idea to dodge right into the enemy, and you'll get your uh, your iframes. You probably won't take damage if you time it right, and then you'll be right in position for an attack. And if you dodge backwards, you may not have that opening to attack. And that's a lesson that applies to all Dark Souls games, Bloodborne as well. Dodge into the attack, not away from it. Yeah, that's really good. Actually, I never considered that. I always dodge to the left or back. Okay. And this is this is why I probably have like four hundred hours in the game. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's actually do it. And I was remembering this because I played Bloodborne most recently, and in Bloodborne there are enemies that will specifically punish you for dodging backwards. When if you dodge forward, you're fine. You'll be safe. But if you try to run away and dodge backwards, they'll chase after you and get you. So. This was just been on my mind the last couple months. Yeah, that's great. I'm going to d- try and use that from now on because it's it's a rule that I'd never really thought of. Okay. Yeah, thank you. We aim to please. What uh what's your rule number 5? My rule number 5 is similar to actually your your previous one. And uh, this was helped by uh this was suggested by one of my friends, Sharnold, who um I said, what are the core rules of Dark Souls? And he just said, always be rolling. Yep. Uh, always and that's be probably rolling. one of the one of the higher level kind of players, you know, where, you know, why run when you can roll? <laughs> I don't think I could take it that far and just roll through the entire game. Like uh yeah. like you're in Ocarina of Time or something like that, trying to get across the field faster. I don't think I could do that. But That would play into a rule that I just thought of, which is if you're always going to be rolling, always be watching your stamina bar. Always. Yeah. Because you don't want to run out of stamina. That's bad news. Stamina is your life. I mean, I I love that your HP isn't really that important, but your stamina is is the most important thing in the game. Because if you run out of stamina, your amount of HP probably doesn't matter anymore because you're not going to be able to survive whatever is hitting you. So, yeah, cool. Um, you got one more, one more bonus one before we move on. I have like six more bonus <laughs> rules. We can, we can come back to them uh, later, maybe, uh, if you want. Um, I'll pick my best one here. Okay. And uh, my, my final one will be praise the sun. Oh, yes, of course. Thou must or thou shalt praise the mm. sun. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, once you can learn these uh, emotions or emoticons in Dark Souls, where if you talk to different NPCs, they have a specific way to express themselves. They'll open their arms or bow. And these are just a fun way to kind of communicate in the game because there's no chat. Yeah. So say you meet somebody and you, you're running around NPC or co-op or um, so you've been invaded maybe. And these these emotions are just your way to kind of say it, you know. And praising the sun is the best way to show what kind of player you are. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I don't trust anybody who doesn't praise the sun. We'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's my friendship test. Yeah, it's it's a good way to live. Good rules. So now that we've gotten our our little list of beginner rules for Dark Souls. Um, I actually want to also, before we get into the mechanics, I just want to talk about, if you can remember, Jack, 
the first time you played and the experience of going through the asylum and Firelink Shrine and perhaps like the Undead Berg, like what's basically going to be your first five plus hours the first time you play and how how that went, because I think it's a very special experience for a lot of people. Yeah, thank you. Um, I, I remember... I remember picking the Pyromancer class, first mm-hmm. off. You have a certain amount of classes you can pick. Uh, warrior, Knight, Mage, uh, Naked Guy, <laughs> and and the Pyromancer really kind of stand out. Um, and I liked how it looked like melee and magic combined. And being able to shoot fire has always been a dream of mine. You know? Yeah. Um, and I remember, like, the first time I played uh, going through the Undead Asylum, and this was on Xbox 360 back in the day, um, where it's, like, super janky and low resolution. Um, not having too much difficulty until uh, until I got to the um, Taurus Demon, the second kind of boss in the game. Right. Where it took it took me about two or three days to beat him. <laughs> and yeah. I, I, think, I think that's a lot. Like, when I tell people about that, they're like... That's a lot. Like they don't even spend that much time on the harder bosses. Yeah. But I, I really couldn't. I couldn't beat him. And when I did, when I finally did it, the epic win, that feeling of pure like adrenaline, um, and like drugs flooding into your body f- made by your brain of just like success, was was just incredible. Um, yeah. That's when I knew like Dark Souls was just like an incredible game because I just wasn't giving up. I wanted to beat this stupid Minotaur. And uh, when I when I finally beat him, I think he even like, you know, killed himself. Like he <laughs> he glitched out of the game and like and I was like, I'll take it. Yeah, exactly. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah, screw that guy. And um and then immediately got killed by a dragon. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like what a game. And and to me all of the the before you get to Anorlando, um that felt like the game to me. Like that was enough. Mm-hmm. And so I couldn't get much further than I think um, the gargoyles for a long time. And then my, my buddy Tom came in and he was like, I'll co-op with you. And we co-opt for the next nine years the game, <laughs> on and off. Like we, I, I I'd get stuck. Gonna, <laughs> I thought you were going to say like <laughs> we co-opt for the rest of the game, but no, it's, it's much more than that. Yeah way more way more like we we lived that game like we, we played when i was there in korea um we played like just different consoles we we join up we'd start again um we'd try get to uh where we were we'd hit a roadblock we'd stop for two years we'd come back mm-hmm. we always just said we're going to finish this in 10 years and 2020 came around it was 10 years we kind of felt before they destroyed the servers or something or take them down Mm-hmm. and uh, we finally beat the game and like t- for me that's still the first time i ever played it like i yeah. hadn't really uh finished it uh before then so yeah oh yeah i remember my first time um i don't remember the asylum being that hard and the asylum demon maybe took me a few tries uh and then there's these when you're in firelink shrine the the stairs that go up to the undead berg have like maybe four or five skeletons on them some of them are throwing firebombs and some of them are just, you know, normal skeletons. And that took me like three hours to like reliably beat all those skeletons to get up the stairs into the undead Berg. 
And then once you get into the undead Berg, it's like, okay, here's like six more skeletons all at the same time. And it's like, like you said, it's like, it's game on from then. I was hooked. Yeah. Exa- yeah. You, you really kind of like w- once you're, once you're in the Firelink Shrine, you're, you're given options. Yeah. And if you, if you haven't seen anyone play or looked at anyone play online or whatever, gotten any um, advice, you don't know where to go. And, yeah. and that's such a freeing feeling. There's no map. There's no fairy saying, Oh, go here. Um, yeah. It, it's really quite amazing and you're just exploring pure exploration and and that's just such a great hook for a game yeah there's a lot of directions that you could go but there's only one direction that you should go and yeah. that I, like i said that that staircase with the skeletons on it is not super prominent it's kind of hidden off in a corner but like you see a staircase with a bunch of skeletons like dotting it all the way up and you're like, okay, there's got to be something up there. So there you go. Yeah. It's it, it kind of, uh, the way the game looks is that kind of looks like background art that doesn't look interactable, but you're going to learn from that very first um, kind of time seeing that, that when you explore that way, that everything you see in the game, you can eventually go to. Yeah. Uh, sort of, but yeah, especially when there's something that's like, like, I think you can tell the difference between like things that are far away that you can go to and things that are just like clearly like mountains off in the background or something Mm. like that. But there are a lot of places where you can see, um, you know, other levels from, uh, the place where you're at and it's pretty cool. And yeah. we'll talk it's about not hid- that. It's not hidden by trees or mountains. Like, yeah. You know, the, all, the, all the world is within view to a certain degree. Yeah, for, for some of it, for sure. And we'll talk about that when we talk about the level design uh, later on. Yeah. So yeah. for now, I want to take a break and listen to some Dark Souls music. And then when we come back, we're going to get into kind of the mechanics of the game. back and talking about the kind of mechanics of dark souls and uh things that people have heard lots and lots about but uh maybe for people who haven't played i kind of want to get our opinions out there for you so the first thing i want to talk about is the difficulty which is the most famous thing about dark souls uh, for a lot of people Uh, especially people who haven't played and maybe don't follow a whole lot they just think like oh dark souls that's that super hard game so Jack, what would you say about the difficulty level of uh, the first Dark Souls game? Um, yeah, it, it really is something that has kind of permeated into the soul of Dark Souls by it being super hard. Um, that this kind of unfair representation of like, you know, if your character dies, that's bad. You're mm-hmm. bad at the game then. So, you know, don't play it because you're going to die lots because that's not good. It's a weird kind of thing to think about because you're going to die in every game. Like you're going yeah. to die in Legend of Zelda. 
you're going to die in The Witcher. But why <laughs> why is it harder in Dark Souls? I don't know. Um, I think it's because of the design is is probably you know a bit more realistic. Uh, that weightiness kind of puts people off. But mm-hmm. I I kind of learned like very late that the the classes are a difficulty system. Um, yeah, kind of. Um, I used to study game design where I, I, I picked the mage class once and I was like, oh my God, this is incredibly easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's so, so, so much easier. So there easier. you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, 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 there is an easy mode and it's, it's the mage. And then there is a hard mode and, um, you know, it, it's the hunter, I would say, um, where you use a bow and arrow. And you have to do it in first person mode yeah. or something. You know, you, you can make the game harder. You know, it, it's, it is hard. It can be easy, but you can make it harder on yourself. And that's what most people do. They actually make it harder on themselves. That's a good um, point. They don't and follow the rules. This kind yeah, of stuff. They don't follow the rules that we talked about. And it's, there's a lot of like habits that other action games will like get you into like button mashing and not really paying attention to what the enemy mm-hmm. does uh that yeah like dark souls kind of like hit a reset button on the way these game a lot of action games are made and they're saying like you can make it so that players have to pay attention because that's all it really is is that if you pay attention it's fine and like you said if you want to play an easier have an easier time play as the sorcerer it will be a lot easier um, and you can summon in help. It's a mechanic that's in the game for a reason to make things easier for you if you want to. Yeah. So it's like, I, I definitely agree that dark souls is hard and it has a, it has some like really hard bosses in my opinion, but for the most part, it's, you know, in breath of the wild, I died so many times because there's the Lionels in breath of the wild are they're harder than a, a lot of Dark Souls enemies. Like, if you can handle that, you can play Dark Souls. It's not this, like, intimidating thing that's only for, like, pro gamers or something like that. Uh, I guarantee you, yeah. if you play a lot of action games, you've played something that approaches or exceeds the level of difficulty that Dark Souls has. It does, yeah. I, I think um, the the kind of thing where it's, like, consequences uh, matter you know, with difficulty. Yeah. You know, so like it's, it's, it's a weird game where like, you know, it, like if you die, you're going to be set back, but that could be because when you die, you lose all your, the souls you've acquired, the currency Mm -hmm. um, that helps you progress and get better in the game. But that just makes you kind of like want to go back and get it, you know, and there's risk to that because once you die again, all those souls that you just lost, they're gone. Yeah, you know, and you got to start again. You got to start afresh. You know, when you've lost ten thousand souls that took you two hours to get, that's like two <laughs> levels. You've lost two levels of time. If that's if that's what happens to you, then I'm just gonna say that that's your fault for not using those souls. Because I've like as I've played this game yeah. two and a half times, and that doesn't happen to me because I spend my shit when I when I'm able to. Um, but you you do learn at a certain point that that's not really a big deal like you you didn't ruin your game if you lose yeah. 50,000 souls it's not really a big deal so you'll get those back that would be a good rule i think to add yeah that would be another uh, bonus rule there like don't fret over your lost souls yeah 
that's a good rule. Moving on from the kind of difficulty, just that little talk there, I want to talk about the combat first, because other than going through and exploring, you're going to be fighting most of this game. So uh, the the way you approach combat kind of depends on your character, like Jack brought up. You can play a melee uh, build, and that's what I think most people are going to go with, is a melee build, because there are just more melee weapons and We'll talk about this in a little bit, but magic is magic is very good in this game, but it's hard to find magic if you don't know what you're doing. Uh, they kind of hide the people that teach you magic uh, in the game. So, uh, Jack, what's your favorite kind of play style? You prefer magic, or do you like the uh, the melee guys? When I tried magic the first time, I loved it because I felt like um, you know Peter Parker in Spider Man Three with Venom. You know, just doing like the Bee Gees walk, you know, just shooting lasers out of my fingers. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, it felt epic. It felt really good. <laughs> Thank you. I have great callback, I suppose. So so I was just like zapping people with magic missile left, right and center to uh, the Bee Gees. But it just didn't feel as satisfying, you know. So I just went back to my old play style, which is the uh, the warrior class. Um, where just big sword, medium armor, mm-hmm. and your best offense is more offense. For a lot of enemies, yeah. You know, yeah. So, like, I've, I I played through the game pretty much just using a big sword. Mm-hmm. And normally I don't play that way in other RPG games. I'm more of an archer type. I like to be away from the danger. Um you know, let them come to me and just shoot them down as they come to me because the AI is usually stupid in most games. Uh-huh. But in Dark Souls, like the, I felt like the the real enjoyment of the game was being up close, you know, and and getting getting the shield blocks, the parries, the backstabs. Um, th- there just seemed to be so much flavor in the combat system. Um, so I wanted to feel more into it. Um, so that that's how my characters usually worked. Yeah, that's that's how I played too. I played my first playthrough I played as a pyromancer and my most recent playthrough I played as like a combo um miracles and a mace guy and I just love bashing things with the mace but also throwing lightning spears. Those were both uh, really really fun. But I I do agree. I think that melee is where the combat really shines because you you actually have to engage with the full thing. And uh, I think it's a lot of fun. And like you said, for a lot of the enemies in the game, if they hit you really hard, like if they hit you, they do a lot of damage. And that's that's like the first really noticeable thing about playing Dark Souls is even the basic skeletons uh, can stun lock you and kill you if you're not ready for it. But you can also stun lock and kill them pretty easily, most enemies in the game, uh, if you're just on the offensive. For more advanced things, like you mentioned, Jack, you need to uh, you need to circle strafe. You need to lock on and just kind of rotate around. You'll you can see in other games if someone plays a lot of Dark Souls because they'll be doing that that circle strafing, trying to get behind things yeah. and get those backstabs. Which in Dark Souls they have their own special animation, and that is how you can really take down a really really tough like humanoid. Uh, enemies in the game getting those backstabs 
We mentioned blocking yeah. earlier in the rules, but we you brought up parrying, and I haven't brought it up yet. So do you parry in Dark Souls? You can swing your shield and parry enemies and get a uh, kind of critical strike on them if you're successful. With, with a really cool animation, you know, yeah. that kind of like pull, pulls the camera in and you like you like really dig that weapon into them and like they're just like, oh no, you got me. And then you slide them off and you go like, I'll see you next time. <laughs> you know, or you parry them again after you die um yeah I, i'm actually doing a parry run and backstab run only on okay. the xbox one so i'm not allowed to kill anyone um if i can backstab or parry them okay essentially so, so it's really difficult so for the enemies <laughs> that are not parryable yeah. all is fair but for yeah. any of the all humanoid skeletons or stuff like that you're parrying yeah yeah, it's a, it's a really kind of like finite kind of window of time where you can do a parry. Yeah. And that's where you pay attention to the animations and you learn the move sets or you just keep hitting, I think, L2. Just keep hitting it, you know, and you, you'll get it eventually. But it's one of one of like those little satisfying kind of things in the game that I really like it's, um, it... because you, you don't have to parry. You don't have to. Oh, sorry, you do have to parry. You don't have to strafe, strafe around. You don't mm-hmm. have to block or roll. You can just stand there and parry, and you will defeat most opponents in one strike. Um, it's it's pretty epic. It is. Uh, it's very very satisfying when you land a parry. And this is my time when I say that I have never once been able to uh, reliably parry anything in Dark Souls throughout. You know, two hundred hours of playing the game, I can only parry the final boss. Uh, which we'll talk about in the spoiler section, but uh, yes. that's the only thing I can parry. Uh, Bloodborne, on the other hand, I'm a parry king in Bloodborne, but in Dark Souls, I I just cannot do it. So I am a yeah. uh, I am a circle strafer and a dodger. Um, I parrying is really <laughs> not in my move set at all. So. Nice. Yeah. It, it's one of those things that it's a time saver. You know, it, where... it is. Yeah. If you can parry the Black Knights and some of those harder enemies like that, I'm sure it... Well, they're not that hard to backstab, but you know what I mean. I'm sure it really cuts down on your your time circle strafing. And uh, if you're in some kind of precarious uh, footing, we'll say, parrying is probably much more preferable. So Yeah. Another thing uh, about the combat, the last thing to talk about is uh, magic, which we kind of brought up. But there's three kinds of magic uh, in the game by my count. You have your basic sorceries, you have your pyromancy, and then you have your miracles, which are like uh, lightning spells. So the the sorcerer, like Jack brought up earlier, the sorcerer class is like easy mode because your sorcery does a ton of damage to almost everything. Um, I think it takes like four or five magic missiles to kill the first boss, which is like way more than or way less than a you know sword hits would do so those are kind of your easy mode there's also bows but bows are really really hard to be good at in dark souls one usually just use bows to like draw aggro like i always carry a bow but i never want to actually fight something using the bow i just use it to shoot something and draw it away from the crowd that should be another dark souls rule right there never fight a crowd always fight things one at a time yeah bottleneck yeah use the environment to your advantage 
hundred percent. The bow, I think, is really useful um, in co-op where you're you're working with somebody and yeah. you know you can do crowd control, that kind of thing. Um, That's true. Keeping keeping the enemy at a distance. I mean, one of the things with the bow that you don't really figure out until later on is the auto aim still works with the bow mm-hmm. as it would with the magic missile because normally you think you have to do the first person shoot, but you can just very easily just when they're in range. Takes three seconds. You shoot an arrow. You're not going to weigh half their health. Which, if you're co-oping with someone, by the time they're they've wound up their weapon swing, they've they're they're dead already. You know. Mm-hmm. So um, it's kind of cool to be back to back with somebody and just be shooting arrows. You know. Yeah. Um, you don't expect to see that in Dark Souls. No, definitely so it's not. Kind of, it's kind of a nice <laughs> playstyle. <laughs> another another good use case for the bow is like you said the the AI in Dark Souls is generally like pretty good uh, but there is a lot of like if you're outside of an enemy's aggro range and you have a, a bow that can shoot really far you can just like whittle down their health with they're too far to like you know react to you and you can you can take them down that way and i've done that with some tough uh some tough enemies and stuff like that more so in later dark souls games like i remember doing that a ton in dark souls 3 but in the first game there's a couple cases where it's really, really helpful to just shoot from a long distance uh, to kill really pesky enemies. But other than that, I don't really fuck with the bow much. Yeah, yeah, the bow, um, it's it's less satisfying, you know. To do like it that you're, way, you're just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're just not engaged in the same way. Like, you kind of, it kind of feels like... Um, you know, when an enemy is running towards you, like they're going to challenge you, you yeah. know, and they're, they're, they're out there to kill you. It kind of feels bad to just shoot them with the bow from far away sometimes, you know, like you can get, get their attention with the bow and then, then they'll come to you. Um, exactly. I find. And if you're doing that thing to like plink down their health, it, it, sometimes it takes like, you know, like 60 arrows to do it. And, you know, each arrow takes like five seconds to wind up and shoot. It's it's a little bit of a time commitment. So it's actually not very fun to do it that way. But uh, that should be another rule of Dark Souls. We're just going to keep coming up with rules. Another uh, rule <laughs> yeah. is don't feel bad for taking advantage of something because the game is challenging. Whatever you got to do to beat whatever's in front of you, just do it. Not so bad. I'm writing, I'm, I'm writing that in as always be cheesing. Always be cheesing. Yeah. Thou shalt yeah. cheese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mine are, mine are much more gangster rules and yours are like very much like... Mine are the Ten Lord Commandments. Of the Rings. Yeah. <laughs> the Ten Commandments. Yeah. Um, there's uh, actually one other thing I want to talk about and that's uh, there's a bunch of status. There's not a bunch. There's some status effects in Dark Souls that are uh, really, really uh, painful and they should be avoided at all costs. Uh, poison which is, you know, po- you know how poison works. There's toxic, which is like super poison, which is an emergency if you get toxic. Uh, there is bleed, and then there is curse, and curse is also an absolute fucking emergency whenever it happens, uh, whenever you see that bar filling up. And luckily, curse doesn't happen too many times in the game, but if you're playing it for the first time, you probably will get cursed. And uh, it's, uh, like I said, it's an emergency. <laughs> and should be uh <laughs> should be treated as such yeah absolutely i i've never had curse happen to me uh, really i was made aware of it yeah 
I, I knew about the dangers of curse before I was kind of in the area where where it's most where it will happen the most. Yeah. And and even to this day, like ten years of playing the game, I've never been cursed. Okay. But I have seen I have seen my brother get cursed playing on the Nintendo Switch. And it was great seeing him play because he knew nothing about the game. And he just looked at it, looked what happened to himself. And uh, will, will I tell people what happens for the curse? Yeah, I was kind of rolling around like, should yeah. I tell people? Because I want a little bit of like laughter if it happens to someone for the first time. But yeah. we, we can say, so uh, what yeah. happens when you get cursed? Uh, you lose half your current HP upon being cursed. Your maximum HP. Right? Yeah. yeah. So like you'll die... So- but then you'll lose half of your maximum HP until you heal the curse by using an item that is not easy to find. So it's, and it it happens to you in like, well, I was going to say it happens in, in opportune times, but there's never a good time to get cursed. And each version of Dark Souls or Bloodborne or Sekiro has their own version of this. And it's always, always painful when it happens. Um, let's move on and talk about the bosses quickly. We're not going to get into much detail with the bosses, but Jack, do you think that Dark Souls 1 has good bosses? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think Dark Souls has probably, you know, out of like, uh, like scale of like a hundred percent, 80 percent of the bosses are absolutely amazing. You know, you, you can't, you can't knock them all out of the park, but I mean, as far as like you know, how they look, um, what their backstories are. I mean, Dark Souls bosses are very memorable. Yeah. And I would say that, like, not all of them are super fun, but this kind of... I think Dark Souls is, like, an achievement in that most of the bosses are really fair. And they're hard, and there are some bosses that will take you a long time and several tries to get through, but... Uh, most of them in Dark Souls 1 are slow. They have big wind-ups. Uh, if they have projectile attacks, they move slowly and you can uh, dodge them. And they're fair. And you, you, it is reasonable to like take your time and actually learn their attacks. And uh, a lot of the bosses, like maybe they'll give you a lot of trouble your first time, but the next time you play through, like your next playthrough... A lot of the bosses, you'll remember those attacks. They're really memorable. And the things that gave you trouble before uh, are not so bad anymore. Yeah, the the Dark Souls bosses uh, for Dark Souls 1, they're kind of like um, milestones where you get to prove that you've learned yeah. part of the game, you know, like blocking or rolling or something like this. Like that, There are kind of great reasons for them to be where they are and what kind of attacks they do. And how they're going to challenge you, you know, and the, and the, they'll they'll do callbacks to skills you thought you learned earlier, um, that like they'll just absolutely destroy you over because <laughs> all their all all their different move sets are like really unique, or how you defeat them is really unique. Yeah, um, it's kind of like oh, if one's got a big eye, you shoot the eye, you know, cut off the tentacles, this kind of thing, you know, it's it's very old school boss design, um, where I feel like in RPGs there's been a lot of a lot of bosses where you just hit them and that's it just hit them anywhere and and that's all that happens but one of the coolest things about the dark souls one bosses is if you cut off their tail you will be rewarded yeah this kind of started this trend 
that people are yearning for in every Dark Souls game is uh, if if it has a tail, try to cut it off, and you'll be yeah. rewarded for it. Uh, it's a good. You mentioned the like the bosses all have unique uh, move sets for the most part, and so this brings up something that I think is really cool that in Dark Souls, everybody has certain bosses that are very easy for them. And the bosses that I think are really easy are probably different from the bosses that you think are really easy because we have different things that we're good at and different things that give us trouble. So we're going to talk about that in the spoiler section, uh, not to spoil any bosses for people, but I do think that's super cool that like we, you can talk to someone who played the exact same game as you and you will both have like super different things that you found to be really hard. Yeah. I think that also kind of addresses the story of Dark Souls in a really interesting way because every boss is different and each way you fight them is different. So Mm -hmm. your story about how you talk to your mates about Dark Souls is the story of Dark Souls. So some guy might have defeated the third or fourth boss in a completely different way that you had no idea, Mm -hmm. you know, and you spent three days fighting him. Yeah. And then like, you just go, Oh my God, what really? Um, And then you, you go back and you can try out that technique or whatever. um, And you have a whole new flavor to the game. Yeah, exactly. And I mentioned this before, but you can summon in help. Uh, around bosses and oftentimes when if you're connected to the internet you'll see those gold summon signs on the ground and so you can summon in a player and if you're having trouble with the boss you should summon help in my opinion you can like i mean they're all beatable by yourself for sure but i think summoning in people is really fun and it's this nice like collective experience with someone that you will never talk to and they just come into your game, they help you out, you uh, you praise the sun at each other, and it's this wonderful little like brief connection, and then they leave your game when you beat the boss, and they're gone forever. You'll, you, I mean, you'll never contact them again. I think it's really cool. And it's, again, I want to reiterate, some people will try to be shitty about Dark Souls and say, like, don't summon help, get good. And to them, I say, fuck off, summon help. It's, it's fun. It's what the game is designed to be. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, um, kind of core mechanics that the director wanted to have in the game. Yeah. Like a life experience that he included in the game and he wanted us to feel, um, you know, like when someone helps you out and, uh, say you've no change for the bus and Hey, can I have 20 cent? And they give you 20 cent for the bus. You don't know their name and you'll never see them again. Like that's what Dark Souls is like. Like someone really, really helping you out. Exactly. And uh, that's it's so special to include in a game because not enough people have that in their life. Uh, the story goes that uh, Miyazaki was uh, on like an icy road and there were a bunch of cars that were slipping and sliding and people were getting out to help, you know, push cars that were stuck. And then they get in their car and drive off and you never see that person again that helped you. And that was the inspir- that is the story of the inspiration for this like summoning and help mechanic from random strangers. So yeah. that is all for bosses. To see... Sorry, I was just going to, to say it'd be amazing to see an icy road as a boss in Dark Souls. <laughs> you know, where you had to like push each other up an icy icy you, thing. Or you something. go straight from a like 
you go straight from fighting a dragon into like, okay, your next challenge is to help push this pickup truck up an icy hill. <laughs> go. Yeah. Um, that's going to be all for talking about bosses right now. We're going to talk a little bit in the spoiler section about bosses as well, but there will also be a special bonus episode of, uh, tales from the backlog where jack and i are going to tier list our favorite bosses so that one's going to be mostly for people who have played and have the experience with the bosses but we're going to do a special tier list episode which you will hear later this week coming up about the dark souls bosses so keep your eyes peeled for that that one is going to be a bunch of fun i can't wait to talk about it So now that we're done talking about bosses and talking about combat, let's uh I want to talk about the it's they're called souls like elements now uh, because they were inspired by all of these kind of unique mechanics that Dark Souls are mechanics that Dark Souls brought together into this like really unique package and there's so many games that have copied these mechanics. So I I want to talk about them as they relate to this game. And it's kind of weird to explain these in Dark Souls the way I explained them in Hollow Knight and the Death's Gambit episodes. But here we go. This is the game that they're all iterating on. So uh, we talked about stamina management and how important stamina is. So we can move past that. But remember, stamina is almost more important than your health sometimes. Um, We did kind of talk about the death system where when you die you lose your souls, which are your currency. And you have to go retrieve those from the spot where you died. But uh, when you die, also you turn into hollowed form, which is like story significant. You turn hollowed. And the gameplay impact of being hollowed is when you're hollow, you cannot do summoning. Uh, You can't summon help when you're hollowed. And there are no invasions. Uh, from other players. We'll talk about invasions a little bit later. So in order to reverse the hollowing, you need to use an item called humanity, uh, and that turns you into a human form again. And so when you're human, you can summon, you can be invaded, and you are carrying this like secondary currency called humanity. It's this big number in the top left of your screen. And Uh, According to some wiki, I learned that having higher humanity provides resistances uh, and buffs to certain stats. And I did not know that before. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Um, Like most people will never know the benefits of humanity. um, Yeah. Ever. I mean, they'll never know it to the first time they play the game. They'll just have it. You know, most people um, probably have played the entire game hollow, I would say. Yeah. You, you definitely can't. If you're not going to summon in help, there's really no incentive that the game tells you about 
to play in human form. Because it's not like in Dark Souls 3 where you get extra health for being in human form. In Dark Souls 1, there's nothing like that. It's just cutting you off or opening up the multiplayer. That's it. So, yeah, most people will go hollow most of the time. I I also, one of the things I really like about Dark Souls is the um, the kind of community-like um, aspect where you you go hollow in the game, right? And that's kind of like a metaphor. But when you stop playing Dark Souls and you haven't really finished it, that's also just <laughs> slang for you've gone hollow is you've stopped playing the game. You go you hollow and Okay. Yeah. So that's like community slang for someone yeah. who's uh not played in a long time. Yeah, exactly. So uh so someone who, you know, is really struggling at the game, you know, you just say to them, Don't go hollow, man, you can do this. You know, just yeah. take some humanity, get back in the game, and just keep playing. You Don't know? give up skeleton. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So I think that's one of the cooler aspects um of of Dark Souls is that humanity system is just kind of really integral to the game uh design because normally in games you just die and you restart you know but like in in this game there's reasons and core reasons like for the story about why you're dying yeah you know that's that's integral to it so why you're resurrecting and things like that yeah yeah so it's not (laughs) you're just you're not just hollow for some reason you're hollow for a very important reason yeah should be noted that when you're in hollow form, your character looks fucking horrific. Like your your skin is all withered and uh, red and just basically horrifying. You look like uh, what would happen to me and Jack if we spent too much time outside <laughs> with no sunscreen, <laughs> basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's, it's a really um, unappealing look. Like one of the things is like you don't want to look like that for your game. I mean, like you, you want to get humanity. You want to look like you're you're full of blood and and you know handsome looking, you know, yeah, like exactly. a beautiful <laughs> a beautiful character models of Dark Souls. <laughs> yeah. One of the other things that um, other games have picked up on from Dark Souls is the uh, Estus system, which is your healing in dark souls in demon souls you had a more traditional just like item you would find that heals you but in dark souls the the later dark souls games and then in sekiro you have this uh rechargeable healing and what it does is it basically tells you how many mistakes you can make between resting at bonfires and so when you rest at bonfires you uh you heal and you recharge all of your uh, uses of the Estus flask. And you can get more Estus by turning in Firekeeper souls that you find. Uh, do not... I don't even know if you can, like, eat the Firekeeper souls. It's a bad idea, though. You should turn those in and get more Estus. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, yeah, this is this is a thing that, like, we've talked about uh, in Death's Gambit. Death's Gambit had uh, these kind of recharges of your healing that you can do and it i think it all basically started with this right here yeah i think estus is one of the other kind of story aspects of the game as well because um what is estus (laughs) it's an undead favorite that's all you know it's it's, yeah it's like can i have uh, two estus flasks please Uh, one for me and my friend (laughs) yeah you know it's it is like the the burning (laughs) fire 
of 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 the bonfires that you're refilling. You're at a bar in uh yeah. let's say you're in a, a bar in New Londo and you you see a pretty lady <laughs> down the bar and you want to want to send over an Estes to her. Hey man, I think that spider woman, she's like full <laughs> full body spider and half body woman. She's kind of looking at me. Yeah. yeah. I think I should buy her a drink. Yeah, so buy her an Estes. <laughs> see if she yeah. likes that. <laughs> cool. So yeah, that's it's one of the as far and I, you know, other than spells that you can get, there's no other way to heal in Dark Souls. So you're very limited uh, with your healing. Actually, I think using a humanity item heals you too, but you only find so many of those throughout the game. So it's not like you're going to be reliably using those to heal. So that's the way you heal. And the amount of Estus you have, again, tells you you can make a certain number of mistakes uh, throughout your run. So you get through these levels and you'll you'll get to these points where you're like, okay, I need to find a bonfire because I'm I have one Estus charge left it's been a while since I, you know, left the last bonfire. I really hope I find a bonfire soon. And so you'll get into these like pushing into danger kind of scenarios where you're running out of healing. Uh, the enemies are hard. You, you're like, okay, I cannot take any more hits. Or you can turn around and go back to the bonfire, recharge, and then try again now that you know what's out there. And other than fighting the bosses, that's like, the key thing in dark souls is like pushing into these levels, trying to see how far you can get before you run out of Estus. Yeah. It's, it's really cool. It it brings back so many memories hearing you kind of talk about that kind of exploration, you know, like pushing into the darkness and kind of like re- revealing the fog of war, you know, like that, like that's actually happening in a sense, but it's in your mind, you know, mm-hmm. as you learn more about the map. Um, and Estes kind of keeps keeps that all in check. And so I've been mentioning the bonfires, but once again, the bonfires are your checkpoints. And you, when you're at the bonfire, you get a full heal, you recharge all of your Estes, but all the enemies respawn as well. So if you don't rest at a bonfire, the enemies will never respawn, uh, as far as I know. Even if you kind of like leave the main game area and go into some of these other areas i think they will stay dead but that's not going to be something that affects most people the thing is like you said you can go as far as you want throughout as many levels as you want and as long as you don't rest at the bonfire all the enemies stay dead but when you rest they come back with a few exceptions uh, like mini bosses and stuff like that don't come back bosses of course don't come back either so that's it plays into that like that decision like okay i pushed as far as i can go i need to go back and heal again if you go heal again and get your estus back all the enemies come back so you have to fight your way through again but you should have a better idea of how to do it in a more efficient way this this time because you've seen it uh, and you've you've gotten so far you should be able to get farther the next time yeah, practice your parry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I I was running through the um, undead burg kind of area. It's it's the second area. Yeah, and uh, watching my brother Liam play, and he's he's agonizing over en- every enemy every time on the boss run, mm-hmm. and it's taking him such a long time. And then I'm like, okay, cool. I'll 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 meet you along the way. I'm playing beside him on the switch. 
and it takes me like two or three minutes. And then, then I just, on the second try, I just run, you yeah. know, yeah. I just run through the enemies. I'm like, ah, oh, they're not important. You know, like there's, there's certain kind of mindsets you can have when you play Dark Souls. Like, um, the, the, the bonfires are a great way to kind of like, you know, know which checkpoints you're going to but if you really need to get to an area you can just run i mean yeah you know so if you've no- nothing to lose you know you've everything to gain yeah that that's a good point you you are always faster than the enemies you can just sprint past everything as long as you have enough stamina you can just sprint through the entire levels and like when you're you know going back to retry bosses because bonfires are very rarely right in front of where the boss is just run past everything Uh, you don't need to worry about actually fighting things and this also uh, plays into if you see an item in a uh, in a location that you don't want to like fight your way to or something like that you keep items you get after you die so you do these like suicide runs to like go pick up all these items if you die whatever because you'll get to keep the items you got and you can strategize and make sure like I don't have a bunch of souls when I'm doing this but like we said earlier even if your souls do get lost forever it's not really a big deal so yeah most people learn that kind of method of playing by about just about halfway into the game I think Mm -hmm. they kind of realize that they can they can do this and it's okay to do that yeah so Kind of the last thing, and this is one of, no, not the last thing, but this is one of the most famous things from Dark Souls that I've seen other games uh, kind of pick up is this um, asynchronous multiplayer where you have the summoning, which we talked about. You also have the invading where you can invade other people's games. Jack, do you do any invading? Uh, Not necessarily, no. I don't think I ever invaded anyone until this year. Okay. Um, on the switch <laughs> I, I it was just something i was not interested in Same. and when i when i finally did it to someone um it was really fun i kind of got it <laughs> like, i was like this is kind of cool but but invading i f- i am very particular about because i get invaded a lot mm-hmm. and i follow a core set of rules when i get invaded so i use my uh, emotion things yep. i bow i praise the sun they bow and they praise the sun and if they do that, that means no Estes Flask allowed. And we are okay. going to duel. It is not going to be a hunt. It is going to be a fair fight. Okay. And I love that. I love this unspoken rule between invader and the person in the world. But okay. like, if they don't do that, dear God, are you going to open up a can of whoop-ass? You know? Okay. So I'm glad that you brought this up. Because uh, for people who are listening, you can use an item to invade somebody else's game. And the goal is to kill them. And if you kill them, you get an item. Uh, And if you defeat someone who comes into your game, um, I believe you also get an item. I'm not sure. You probably get some souls too. Am I right? I think you get humanity um, for sure. Mm -hmm. You get like a twin humanity maybe, which is pretty valuable. Okay. You might get souls. I'm glad you brought up the unwritten rules because uh, I hate being invaded. And (laughs) if you invade my game... I do not respect you at all, and I will use any trick I can to get you the fuck out of my game so I can go back to enjoying the single-player experience that I enjoy. So 
if you invade my game, I don't bow. I don't praise the sun. Uh, I will heal all I want. Uh, I will try to poison you. I will use that like <laughs> miracle. That's like a force push. I will try to push you off of the edge of something. Yeah. Uh, I don't fight fair and I don't feel bad about it when people invade me. You're like a cat in a corner. Yes, exactly. Because you know, do anything I, it can. To me, Dark Souls is a very solitary, lonely game, and I, I like summoning help. So, like, call me a hypocrite, whatever. But it's a very solitary, lonely game. And then when someone invades, I am just like, get the fuck out of here and let me just let me enjoy my game. So, uh, and also, I don't often kill invaders because I'm not very good at PvP because I don't do it. Uh, I never, inv- I have never once invaded someone else's game across five plus playthroughs of all of the Dark Souls games and Bloodborne. Never once invaded someone. Wow. So <laughs> I, I was very similar. I I've only invaded once, you know. So I totally get you. I totally uh, sympathize. But yeah. I'm I'm on the honorable side of of the fence where I enjoy the duelist kind of aspect of it. Um. But you would probably make a really good invader because you will just invade and hunt them down and not follow the rules. If I you know? were to invade, I would I would 100% not subscribe to this like unwritten rules thing. I would just go full like balls to the wall, but I'm not going to because uh, I'm a good person. So <laughs> Yeah. I think I think I, I like the aspect of the 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 dueling rules because it's it's shorter. Because you're not going to prolong it with Estus, you know? That's, um, that's true. So you can just get it over and done with, you know? And it's just like me and you and all we have is our stamina and our HP. And once that's at zero, we can go back to our games, mm-hmm. you know? And when, when, when you successfully beat someone or you beat them, you give a bow on the, on the death screen, you know, you just died or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you, you salute the player for their achievement or, you know, dying. And uh, it's kind of like a fun little thing to like a meta game within the game. Yeah. And uh, later Dark Souls games really, really like designed for this, like how much people like doing PvP. The first one is a little bit uh, underbaked, but, you know, like I said, this is a part that I just don't do. So whatever. Um, Another part of the multiplayer that you'll see is you'll see these orange messages on the ground as you go through the game. If you play in, if if you play online, and playing online doesn't mean people can invade you. It just means you're online. Uh, actually, a good friend of mine, former guest on this show, uh, Jim Rodeman, played this entire game offline. So he played without these orange messages on the ground from other players, which just astounded me that he that he had played it and had a great time without this because I think this is like an integral part of the game. Other people, and you can too, write a message and put it on the ground using the like preset, you know, nouns and verbs and adjectives that they have in the game to tell other people about what's happening in this place. So you'll see messages that say like, uh, you know, don't trust uh, chest and like, you'll know like if that treasure chest is a mimic or something like that, or like try, uh, try hitting or something like that. And that will also lead to 
uh, whenever there's a female character, you will invariably see a sign that says like wondrous chest ahead or something like that. So you'll have that yeah. too. Cause the, these are gamers we're talking about, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or I, fake wall. Yeah. That's or they'll one. say like people will try to fake you out too. And they'll say like, try hitting just next to a normal wall. And so you'll hit it and you'll knock one point off of your weapon durability and this haha or um next to a cliff you'll see a message that says like try jumping and then you jump <laughs> off and you die and uh it's always <laughs> like okay person who wrote the message i get it good job good job you got me yeah. i love writing yeah. messages i write a lot of messages really oh that's yeah. fun i've never wrote a message and uh when you see a message you can rate it as helpful or not helpful and when someone rates your message you get a free Estus charge. And that's very cool. So sometimes you'll be going through the level and your character will glow and there'll be a sign and your Estus will go up by one. You're like, oh, someone rated my message. Sweet. That's really nice. I did not know that. Yeah, it's super that's, cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Sometimes it's very clutch when it happens. You're like, I needed that Estus too. Yeah, um, and it was all thanks to you saying, try jumping near a bridge. <laughs> yeah, it was all thanks <laughs> to me saying, uh, wondrous chest ahead. Yep. <laughs> um, and then the final kind of asynchronous multiplayer thing that I think is very cool is that uh, the game is dealing with, like, part of the story is that there these, like, dimensions are, like, overlapping with one another. So you can see ghosts of other players Sometimes it's just players running through the level and you'll see like a white ghost of them, but you can see these blood stains on the ground. And if you interact with it, you'll see a red ghost and you can see how that player died right in that spot. So sometimes you'll see an orange message that says, try jumping. And then you'll see a blood stain right next to it. And you'll see someone just jump off the edge and you're like, okay, I get it. There's, there's nothing there. It's really cool. Sometimes more than one ghost will jump off, like potentially yeah. <laughs> thousands. Um, and uh, uh, one other thing about these kind of inner overlapping dimensions is uh, your task at the beginning of the game is to ring these two bells. And sometimes you'll be going through the game and you'll hear the bells ringing and that's other players doing it. So when you hear yes. the bells ring, that's other players doing it. And I, I just think that's really cool. It keeps reminding you before you've done that about what you're going for because there's no real um, thing like quest log saying, go ring the two bells. Yeah. Um, it's really important. Go ring them. Please ring them right now. I mean, it's just, oh, there's two bells you can ring. And then you're just like, okay, whatever. And you go exploring. Um, and then you just keep hearing these bells all the way through the game. And you're like, what is going on? What What is this? Um, yeah. And as you kind of figure out what that is, you're, you're, it's just one of those great kind of moments where you know you've kind of achieved something. I mean, and no one held your hand, really. Yeah. Like you did, you did that yourself. I mean, that's kind of an awesome achievement. You may even think you've completed the game. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's all it tells you at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's very cool. Once you know that that's what those bells ringing is that it's other people. It's really cool to hear them ring. And then when you get up there to do it, you're like, guys, I did it. I made it everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's kind of in it together. Um, it's one of the best kind of co-op kind of feelings in the game. 
Yeah. I mean, the whole thing about all the worlds being um, kind of like dimensions overlapping is beautifully explained by Solaire, the NPC character in the game that explains co-op to you. It's got a it's got a story reason why there is co-op. Yeah. Uh, I think that is just another great aspect of the design of the game. Um, and you could just kind of brush over it and not really read into it. But it's, it's just so cool that like you're playing, my friend Tom is playing, and I can go, you know, oh, maybe our worlds will like align and he'll jump into my world. You know, like just being able to do that is just such a great reason to kind of play together instead of just going, oh, let's just play together, you know? Yeah. We should say for people listening that if you do want to play with a specific person, they have a a password system to match uh, with the person you want to match with so that when you, you know, you um, put your summon sign down on the ground, some random person's not just going to take it. You want like, you know, if I want to play with Jack, we just set a password so he's the only one that can see that. And they've implemented that across all of the games, and it's it's really really helpful. Because like other than that, it's a like we said, it's a total crapshoot who you're going to get. It's just going to be some random person. Yeah. So some sometimes it's fun when you get someone random because like yeah. you don't you don't always have friends online who are playing Dark Souls. Exactly. Um, and part of that also depends on like just how many people are playing the game. And, uh, like when I played Dark Souls 2 a couple years ago, uh, I never saw another person. But when I play Dark Souls 1, there's always a lot of people playing. And, uh, Dark Souls 3 is more recent. So there's, of course, more people playing. Uh, same thing happened to me. I just played Bloodborne recently. I never, uh, got invaded by another person. Um, anything like that. So. And uh, you brought up Solaire. That's good, because I want to talk about the NPCs in uh, this game. There's a lot of side quests. Uh, Most, some NPCs that you get will have a side quest attached to them. And the side quests are, like, I would generously describe them as difficult to follow uh, by yourself. And a lot of these side quests you want them to continue because you get items from them or you you get very interesting stories at the very least but it's super unpredictable where the npcs are going to go next or what you're going to have to do to make sure they survive and this if i do have one big criticism for dark souls it's it this as like a microcosm of this general uh design philosophy that from software has now where i don't feel like they think they need to do any work as far as explaining and guiding people at all and it's good in in a certain way but for a lot of things like these side quests they just like they're impossible to fall i i defy someone to get sigmire's quest completed without help from a guide like I, I think it's basically impossible. So I think From Software designs these games now with the idea that the community, because the community is so big and so incredible for Dark Souls, the community is going to explain all this stuff to people. And so From Software is like, we can make the most obtuse shit possible. And we can hide your people who sell you spells if you're doing a you know a magic character. We can hide your merchants in these like horribly out-of-the-way locations because the community is going to figure it out and they'll share it. So 
Uh, also, the other thing, actually, the thing that makes me even more mad than this is that the DLC in Dark Souls 1, especially, is like, I don't know how you would find that by yourself. You paid money for DLC, and it is so fucking hidden that I, d- I don't know how you would find it. Uh, yes. Bloodborne also is kind of like this, uh, where the, the DLC, like, you have to look up how to get to it. And I think that's pretty fucked up for paid uh, content. I think it's pretty lame. And so that's, if I have yeah. one big criticism of like the series as a whole, it's this philosophy that from software is just like, we can hide all of this really important stuff, including the DLC that you paid for, because people will just explain it for us. Yeah. The, the story, like Dark Souls is kind of like a chocolate cake. Called an <laughs> okay. You know, where are you going with this one? <laughs> I, I hope I hope it will make sense. Um, so it's like a chocolate cake covered in ice cream, right? And it's like, okay, let's just let's just scrape off all that icing, and that's the story. That's the NPCs, you know. Let's just scrape that off and, and like put that aside because most of the game is the core part of the cake that you're gonna okay. play. The, the, okay, the combat, yeah. all that kind of stuff, the level design. Mm-hmm. But like that 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 flavor at the top, that icing. Um, very few people really get to try that and eat that, you know, and or eat all of it, you know, um, yeah. as, as a de- one delicious cake that is Dark Souls. I mean, you, you're never going to get all of it in one go anyway, you know. Yeah. So it, it, people get slices, you know, of the experience. Like Sigmar's Quest, I totally agree. Like, I remember finding some guy and uh, he got knocked over by an enemy into a hole and died. Yeah, and the very quest first is over. Through that's it and i and i was like who's that and my friend tom goes he must he mustn't have been important because you know that happened you know like a game wouldn't let that happen if that guy was important but maybe that's just kind of like you know the dark souls thing of being super difficult you know or or challenging you know even even npcs can can die in this world yeah so just just like you can some npcs should die uh without any spoilers some of them are real pieces of shit that have to go. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I like I like the I like how indirect the story is told. I like that. But when it comes to like I want to play the DLC and I can't find it. Uh and it's because you have to get this item and you have to go to this really hidden location that you have no reason to ever go to uh in any other situation. Uh, I don't I don't like that. And yeah. I'm sure that like from software put out you know a press release or something when it came out that says this is how you get to the dlc but i shouldn't have to go on the internet to try to find the dlc you know yeah yeah i agree that's that's my one big criticism and the dlc is fucking awesome too so like you want to do it do you have a suggestion about what do you think would have been a better way to implement the introduction to the dlc um it's kind of like it, it's this and in Bloodborne too. You need a specific item, so I think that you should get that in Bloodborne. You get that item in the home base area. It's not hidden in Dark Souls. Yeah. You don't. You have to go get it from someplace. Uh, so I think they should give you the item in Firelink Shrine, and I think in the item description it should give you a more clear hint as to where to go. And yeah. I think that would be fine. But in Dark Souls, it's not like that. So anyone listening, if you haven't played Dark Souls, 
uh, just go search on the internet. How do I access Dark Souls DLC? You'll find it. You'll see what I'm talking about. It's, in my opinion, is pretty fucked up. But the DLC is great, and you do want to do it. So yeah, um, the DLC is later down in the notes, but let's just talk about it now. The DLC is called uh, the uh, what's it called? Artorius of the Abyss. If you're buying Dark Souls now, you're going to be buying the Dark Souls remastered version that comes with the DLC. So no real worries about you know buying it. But in the DLC, you travel back in time. You get some more story and context for characters from the main game. And again, you should look up how to do it. And Jack, what do you think about the DLC? I I felt the DLC was a little lukewarm for me. Okay. I, I wasn't really too into it. I mean, I just, I think, gotten to the point where you have to do the DLC before finishing the game. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. so it was a point of no return. I, I don't think I was ready for it. You know, it was just kind of, hey, there's a DLC. Do you want to do it? Instead yeah. of you finish the game, now there's a DLC. It was a different way to play a DLC. Yeah, we should say that this is um, this is difficult. It's basically end game content. When you're ready to go fight the final boss, that's when you should go do the DLC. Because... Uh, Every boss in the DLC, well, I think there are four bosses in the DLC, and three of them are harder than the final boss, in my opinion. So you should definitely have your character basically finished by the time you go do this. Yeah, so so I did a co-op as well, uh, me and my friend Tom. We ran in, we explored it, we were like, oh my god, look at this thing, or this character. It was like stepping into a different world because it was designed later. Mm-hmm. Um, it had been iterated more on. Um, it was kind of a fun, unique experience, but I didn't really pick up on a lot of the story aspects. Um, there were, <laughs> yeah. there's a, there's a PVP kind of area that was, that only really works when the game came out. Yeah. Um, so it, it isn't really as great as it should have been or could have been, I think. But there's some cool, there is some cool moments. Yeah. You do get a couple of new levels to explore and new Dark Souls levels are always good, you know, fun to explore. And you get some new bosses. In my opinion, the best boss fight in the entire game is in the DLC. So like, I think you do want to experience that. That's the one with the the car and it's an icy road that you have to yeah, push up. Yeah, exactly. This is where the pickup truck boss is. It's a uh, you <laughs> you're fighting the dark souls version of sisyphus but instead of a boulder he's trying to push a pickup truck up an icy road and it's just not working for him yeah just can't do it you need help yeah the dlc is very good if you're playing dark souls for the first time don't forget it uh, make sure to go do the dlc so yeah um let's talk a little bit just a little bit about how you make your character uh because dark souls is a it's not super complicated as an RPG, but there are like character build choices you have to make. So you're getting your souls as you're uh, leveling up or as you're killing enemies, you're getting souls and this souls function both as your uh, EXP and as your money. So it's always a choice on what to spend them on. Uh, Most of the time you should be spending them on levels and not, There are a couple of items throughout the game that you have to buy or that you should buy, but for the most part, you should not be spending money on weapons 
uh, or armor most of the time, you should just be leveling up your character because you're going to find so many weapons and so many sets of armor to use. So you have eight stats to level up. And uh, Jack, for new players, uh, which stats do you think that people should focus on? When I when I kind of look at a character, I look at a class first, you know. So some people will go to stats first and then they'll go, oh, look, there's my class, I think. Um, mm-hmm. So if you know what you're going to go for, I mean, it's kind of confusing. So you have like vitality, which is your health. Then you have like dexterity, strength, endurance. Those are your kind of most important uh, right. stats. So like, say you want, what? who do you want to play as? Do you want to be a knight swinging around a giant hammer? Well, I think, you know, strength and endurance are going to be the best choices for you. Put it all in there, you know, all or nothing. Uh, if you want to be a mage, um, what's the mage skill again? Is it wisdom? Uh, the, intelligence. The, the sorcerer. Intelligence. Intelligence. I, I play a lot of D&D, so I can't remember stats from different <laughs> games very yeah. well. Um, in, in, intelligence governs your uh, your magic. Um, faith governs your miracles, if that's the type of magic you want to yeah. use. Um, yeah. So you're, you're definitely right. Whatever weapon you're going to use, you need... Because all weapons have required stats that you have to meet before you can use them. So if you find a weapon you want to use, level up your stats until you can use it. And then uh, weapons also have scaling. So a weapon that has a scaling with strength, if you pump up strength, that weapon will do more damage. And so you always have to pay attention to those. And then in my opinion, if you don't know what to put a level into, like if you level up and you're like, I think I have enough strength for now always just put that extra point into vitality or endurance, get more health, get more stamina. You will never feel bad about spending your, uh, your souls there. Yeah. And, uh, you should tip for new players, never level up, uh, resistance. There's a stat called resistance and it's a total waste of your souls. It's such a weird, uh, weird thing to have in the game. <laughs> they always do this. There's always one stat that is like, it's basically like a noob trap. Like, oh, that sounds good, but actually it's totally worthless. Um, yeah. In Bloodborne, there's a stat that governs how much damage you do with guns, and it's only for, like, total Bloodborne sickos. Uh, everyone else, it's completely worthless. And same thing in Dark Souls. Resistance raises your resistances to damage and status effects, but you get those for putting points in anything. Like you always get a boost to your damage resistance and you always get a boost to your poison resistance. I th- I think I did that in Bloodborne. I put a load of points into that. Um, <laughs> into thing. Blood Tinge, yeah. the one that yeah. with your gun damage. Loads. It sounds good. Gun damage. <laughs> that sounds good, right? But yeah, not really in important. <laughs> I do two shots with my gun instead of one. Yeah. You know, so I was like, yeah, I'll get more of that. So, exactly. I'm such an I'm such a noob. <laughs> it's okay. We've all been there. Um, and then uh, a couple other quick things about building your character. Uh, you will get upgrade materials to upgrade your weapons. Uh, once you find a weapon that you like, it's generally gonna be good enough for the rest of the game. Like uh, I said, I played a character with a mace, which was the that uh, character's starting weapon is the mace, and I played with it the entire game. So 
I mean, you can see on YouTube, there's videos of people beating the game with the broken sword from the beginning, or beating the game with the soup ladle in Dark Souls 3. Uh, you can beat the game with anything, but most weapons are actually good. Um, you should check on their scaling, like stat scaling, because as you level up, that will get better. And uh, yeah, you can upgrade your weapons, and those weapon upgrades are the things that actually raise your damage uh, a lot more than just putting a point into strength or something like that. So always be upgrading as soon as you can. Upgrade your weapons. The thing about the weapons is the weapon is kind of your character, how you express yeah. your character. Mm-hmm. So yeah. say you're, you're going to use a mace, you're going to have your enemies up close to you. You know, that's, that's the style of combat you're going to be going for. Um, but if you have like a giant big claymore, like I normally do, that dictates the type of combat I do and how I express how I play the game. So like I need to be in wide open space areas, you know, to get most effect out of it. You know, yeah. where in a mace, you can be in a tight, narrow corridor and get the most out of that, you know. So another thing with the weapons is there's only so much upgrading you can do per weapon, I think. So you can only bring maybe two or three weapons up to full um, upgradability. Um, right. And that's it. So you have to really know what weapons you're comfortable with and that you want to take all the way. You can't half-ass a weapon, essentially and just give up you've wasted all that time on that weapon so like once you're comfortable weapon you know you should really stick with it and see if you can take it all the way this is unlike some rpgs where like in in some rpgs you'll find a weapon and you'll use it and then like the next level you'll find a new weapon that is like clearly designed to replace the one that you were using but in dark souls it's not really like that you'll keep finding new weapons but like none of them are appreciably better than a fully upgraded weapon that you're comfortable with the move set and the animations that's really the most important thing this is my mace there are many like it but this one is mine exactly yeah one tip for new players is uh, kind of a like a beginner's weapon and i don't say that in a disparaging way it's just like this is a little bit easier for new players is to use a uh, a spear because you can use a spear while your shield is up. So you can hold your shield up and just poke with a spear, and that's super helpful for new players. So that's another kind of like easy mode that you can uh, that you can do. So yeah, weapons, just find one you're comfortable with. That's going to carry you through the game for the most part. Just double check the scaling and make sure that it will actually do good damage at higher levels. There are a couple of noob traps in the game that do great damage when you find it, but don't have any scaling. So by the end of the by like the second half of the game, it's it's shit. So pay attention to that. Um, one other yeah. thing, you mentioned fashion souls earlier, Jack. Uh, I did. Do you subscribe to the theory that fashion is more important than um, armor? E- yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, Very I mean, expressive game. W- when I when I play Dark Souls, I actually always play as a female character. I don't okay. play as a male character. And I do that because I think the models look better. And it doesn't really matter what gender you are because the armor hides your, your gender anyway. Right. Um, but the character model is smaller and you, you get to see a little bit more. And I think there's a psychological thing. You get to move a little bit faster, maybe, or 
you know, this kind of thing. You're maybe lighter. I don't know. It, it feels more comfortable to me to play that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, when it comes to fashion soles, I think the armor does look a bit better um, on on the smaller frames. Um, okay. But you can change your shape and all that as well. You can be heavy. You can, <laughs> you can be small. You can change your you body shape. Head. Yeah. Yeah. I always you know. go with, uh, I always go with like, what the and the options are really weird too. It's like, it's like muscular, thin, uh, big head, small head, and you have to pick one of these. It's not like you can pick all the ones you want. So it's like muscular, thin, big head, small head, large upper body or large <laughs> lower body. And I always yeah. go with large lower body. Like this dude that's just doing squats all the time, uh, but <laughs> cannot lift anything with his arms. That's my my preferred. Um, and like it, it really doesn't make a big difference for anything. This isn't like um uh like people said in Dragon's Dogma, you can, if you have a really big character you can't fit through small spaces, and if you have a really small character you can't reach uh, you know, high ledges or something like that. There's nothing like that in Dark Souls, so just choose a fun body shape and get on with it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So so when it comes to, to fashion souls, I mean they're not all armors are created equal, you know. Some are heavy, some are, you know, light. Um, but some do look better than others, you know. Yeah. Um, the Eastern set is a nice one. I like that. You know, it's very different, uh, very light. Kind of got this Asian kind of Lord of the Rings, Easterling look to it. Uh-huh. Um, and the the Sorcerer sets are really good, I think, if you're a magic user. They look yeah. pretty cool. You're, you're not going to wear too many um, outfits as a Sorcerer. You're going to stay with maybe one or two for the whole game yeah um and then there's like you know you can switch up your gloves or or your shoulder piece i think um knight lotrex armor is is my favorite armor in the game it's pretty badass Um, yeah it's 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 two arms hugging each other across the (laughs) chest like that is just so cool you know just whoever came up with that like well done because like the it, it says so much about the character and has nothing to do with him. And you'll see why when you play the game. Yeah, exactly. Um, I personally don't, sub- I don't really care much about fashion. Uh, some people, like there's some people that say that what armor you wear doesn't matter for um, damage resistance or something like that. And that's, I think that's bullshit. I usually go for good am- uh, good damage resistance, but it's also important how heavy your stuff is that you're wearing. Because if you're wearing heavy, super heavy armor, you can't roll as fast. Uh, we mentioned, I think I mentioned fat rolling earlier. And your guy, <laughs> the animations change for rolling and like how effective your roll is, depending on how heavy your armor is. And there's three uh, thresholds for it. When you're doing fat rolling, your guy doesn't really roll. He just kind of like falls down and kind of just tumbles over and it like shakes the screen when you do it. And it, it makes this big crunch sound and it's very funny to see um i can't really play with a fat roll i always have to do medium uh usually medium roll because i i don't play with light super light armor on but i always have to make sure i get that medium roll um the light roll is fantastic you're bouncing all over the place but the fat roll is so funny it's incredible when you're playing a dex kind of based character um which means you have a lot of like athleticism you can really go so far in that game, I think, where you can um, do backflips, I think, if you get a certain item. There's an um, item, yeah. 
Yeah, so like you can you can quick roll, quick run, and do backflips. You know, uh, that's much later in the game. So like when you start off, you're very slow. You know, but when you get to the lower part of the game, you can outrun and outmaneuver everything, even bosses. You know, um, yeah. I I really I really like that about the the stats in the game. You know, like yeah. you really see you see what you're spending. You know, your souls on. You know, so if you put your stuff into strength you know, to lift those big hammers. At the start of the game, you could barely lift a two-handed sword. Now you can lift a giant hammer that's bigger than your own body. Yeah, you know, exactly. You've put the time in. You put the time in, and now you get to see the gains. Yeah, 100%. Let's take a little break here. When we come back, we're going to talk about the last couple things about the game without spoilers, talk about the levels, and then talk about the story. Okay, we're back, and we're going to talk about the level design, which is another thing that's been uh, Dark Souls gets a lot of praise for, is how for most of the game, we'll say the first half or uh, even more than that, in, like in the second half too, uh, the, the whole world is connected to each other in a seamless way. There's only, I think there are, I think there's other than the DLC, I think there's only one place in the game where it's like a mandatory like loading screen area transition. Everything else is connected and often loops back on itself. And so you're constantly opening up shortcuts that take you back to places where you've been before. And there's the there's the great moment when you're going through the undead parish and you know everyone who's played dark souls and done a podcast about this talks about it but when you're getting on that elevator from the undead parish and it's going down and down and down and down and then suddenly the firelink shrine music starts playing and you're like holy shit i'm back in firelink like i had no idea that this thing links together like this and so people have made these beautiful like 3d renderings of the whole map of dark souls and you can see how the levels are all connected to each other. And it's, I mean, it's just fantastic level design. They went away from this in later Dark Souls games. And Demon Souls isn't like this either. But, I mean, it had to it had to take up so much uh, planning and like expert level design to make this. And I think the, the Dark Souls 1 map of the game, minus that, you know, those points that take place often... Um, distant lands we'll say uh, other than those actually no there's two loading screens that i can think of other than that it's all connected and it's all loops back on each other and it's i mean it, it's just incredible it's it's masterful design um yeah. th- there's a reason why the last 10 years of modern games have been sampling you know it's like remixing you know they're they're looking at dark souls i don't think there's a single game design student who hasn't looked at dark souls you know, in some capacity. It's um, like a, it's like Metroidvania level design, but in 3D, which is much, much, much harder to make it work, I would assume, than, 
you know, the Super Metroid map, which also loops back and different areas connect to each other and stuff like that. But in 3D, it just feels so much more impressive. Yeah, it's it's really um, in- incredible in in the sense where as well, I think the the way the levels and uh, the enemies, um, how they interact with the story as well. There's multi layers to mm-hmm. not even just its geography is linked, but the story is linked throughout the areas as well. Um, so it all just comes together really naturally. Yeah. Uh, most of the levels are centered around one bonfire, sometimes two, sometimes three. It just depends on how big the level is. And so what you're doing is you are constantly opening up shortcuts that take you back to your bonfire that's like your home base. And when you're exploring uh, these levels, and the the exploration in Dark Souls is really, really good uh, because the levels are interesting you want to see what's there. Um, you'll find really amazing rewards for exploring, like Firekeeper Souls that give you more Estus, or uh, the items that you find are often really, really useful. But the best thing to find is a shortcut that takes you back to your bonfire. And you'll find those famous Dark Souls doors that say, like, you try to open it, and it says, door does not open from this side. And you're like, okay. I got to try to find the other side of this door. And when you do, uh, in a little detail that's really cool, uh, you've probably noticed is like when you get close to a bonfire, you'll start to hear the like the sound that it makes. It's like this tinny sound. Uh, so if you're like in the next room from a bonfire, you can hear it before you see it. And that's a really cool feeling when you're, like we said, you're in that desperate, like I have one Estus left. I need to find a bonfire, and suddenly you find that shortcut that takes you right back to that bonfire. It's awesome. Yeah. But do you uh, fight the two giant enemies who are in your path? Keep your or shield you tr- up, or do you run? <laughs> do you try to run <laughs> past them? Yeah. Yeah. The answer, if you know it's a shortcut, is run past. Well, f- for me. Those, those are those are just such good moments, you know. Yeah. Um, I, lo- I love the level design in, in Dark Souls. I mean, I think I've even used um, like the Undead Burg region, which is like the, the early area, as like inspiration for D&D games. And, you know, yeah. people are like, oh, uh, what does this room look like? And I just call back the <laughs> design of the Undead Parish and go, yeah, it's a chapel that's got like, um, you know, all this stuff. And I just describe the whole level. Um, and people yeah. are like, okay, cool. I know exactly what this is like. And there's two elevators in the corner. Um, yeah. And they're like, what does that mean? It's like, uh, oh, sh- I'm going to have to just play Dark Souls, the D&D experience. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. so good. What does this room look like? Uh, this room looks like that room in Anne Orlando with uh, the Titan Knight <laughs> Demon in it. You remember that room, right? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, that's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's it's so, so clear. And th- this, is a, this is a good point. Like, this i think dark souls in comparison to a lot of other games every level and like even down to the rooms are so memorable like the stuff that you're doing in them the fights that you get into or the treasure that you find is all really memorable so dark souls doesn't have a map famously doesn't have a map at all in the whole game but like i never really got the feeling in dark souls that like i need to go somewhere and i don't know how to get there 
where it's like, I'm, let's say I'm in the undead parish and I need to get back to the undead burg for something. How do I get back there? Well, I remember how to get back there because everything I did in between those two levels was so memorable that like, it feels like I know the place really well. Like the mental mapping you do is really, really, um, seems easy in this game. And it's a huge, it's a huge game. There's lots of different levels. And I think that's another feat of the level design. Yeah. I think, um, with the level design is you, you've also like probably died like 10 times. Yeah. Yeah. To, that's to another go part to of the it. area. Yeah. You, you like, you, you remember it for just, you know, sheer repetition, you know, and then, you know, there's other areas that you might just go through quickly and then you get lost, you know, like that's kind of cool. You might yeah. find something you didn't see before. You've um, died. You've died 60 times. That's an exaggeration. You died, uh, 10 times trying to make it to the bottom of blight town. And now you can do it in your sleep. Yeah. You know, you know, um, you know where all the uh, pitfalls are and all this kind of stuff. But then sometimes like you, you may think you know a level really well and you'll still fall. You'll still get scared by enemies that you just forgot were there. You know, oh, yeah. the game, the game will always like, it's never really remixed. All the enemies stay in the same place, but like just true human error, like the game will still have something fun to throw at you. Yeah, exactly. I should also mention the levels are pretty like visually distinct from each other. So like when you go through an area transition, like the color palette will change a lot of times or like the scenery will change. And so oftentimes when you loop back and you, you exit a level and you find out that you're back in a place that you've already been, you'll instantly be like, Oh, uh, I recognize this color scheme or I recognize the way that the bricks and the, uh, the stones look in this, or I rec- Hey, this place has grass and not everywhere in the game has grass, you know, yeah. something like that. So there's a lot of these moments where you just, you just marvel at how well this map is connected to uh, itself in so many ways. I think, um, I remember seeing, um, the 3d extrapolation of the game of its level design. Yeah. And, in comparison to Dark Souls 1 and 2, which I really like, um, is that Dark Souls is designed like a cylinder, like on its, like straight down. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just really unique level design because level design is normally a plane, like a flat yeah. plane or a cube. But this is mm-hmm. like a cylinder. Yeah. And for Dark Souls 2, um, that's a wheel, which I think is really interesting. You know, So they're, they're reiterating and trying new things for the games in according to level design. I think it's one of the most underrated parts of Dark Souls yeah. is the level design. And the fact that these levels kind of connect with each other and that you know how to um, find your way through them is important because you don't get fast travel in Dark Souls for a really long time. Yeah, you got to earn it. Yeah, you got to earn it. But like, I don't know, it, it's pretty intuitive even without it. So... Let's uh, let's talk about the story. We're getting to the end of the non-spoiler section after almost two hours now. Let's talk about the story. Uh, Jack, when you're playing Dark Souls, were you able to figure out the story, like the details of the story by yourself? For the first time, not really, no. I was more aware of a miniature story within, like um, the B-plot with um, Seath the Scaleless. You see uh-huh. him in the trailer and he's this really like striking albino 
um, naked dragon. You know, he's totally weird. But I picked up some items that were like, oh, this guy's Seath. Or, yeah. oh, there's these, there's these mage channelers who are here because of him. What's going on there? And I was like, he must be the big bad. He's the big bad guy. And yeah. then when I when you finally get to his area, he seemed like my personal goal because of that that discovery. You know, I discovered mm-hmm. that. Where yeah, that, the, the, yeah, that cutscene at the beginning, um, it tells you about the four like lords in the beginning, and uh, yeah, Seath is one of those. Or Seath is a big part of the cutscene, and so you—I sh- don't know—you should know. I didn't—I didn't pick up on this, but maybe you should know. Like, if a game like this shows you five characters in the cutscene, then they're going to be like the bosses you fight, I guess. <laughs> but I didn't pick up on that. So, um, I said this in Hollow Knight, the episode I did about that, in the episode on Death's Gambit. In these games where the storytelling is really sparse and it's given through item descriptions, like you mentioned. Uh, I don't pick up on that. Even if I start a char- even if I start a game with the intention of reading the item descriptions and getting the story myself, I just can't do it. There's too many items, and I want to just keep playing. I don't want to. Actually, I we I did an episode on Disco Elysium, and I talked about how much I love reading. But in this game, I I really don't want to stop and read that much. I want to keep playing. So I don't pick up on the story, and I I would not know anything about the story, really, without the help of uh, some podcasts and uh, YouTube channels that I'll link down in the episode description. There are people who've made whole careers doing YouTube videos about the story of the Dark Souls games, like legit making money supporting themselves careers uh, based on this. And there's a lot to dig into but it's not something that I pick up by myself. Yeah, the the story of the official story of Dark Souls written by Miyazaki is fantastic and brilliant, but it's not the most important thing. And I think he knows that as well. Mm-hmm. I, what, what I think I said earlier is that uh, the Dark Souls story is the player's story because you're the chosen undead. Um, yeah. that's, that's told to you from the beginning this is your story. You don't even know who you are, but you're going to figure out that and go throughout this thing, finding everything. You're the fish out of water. So you don't need to know the story and it's not going to be told to you because this world is ancient, you know, and you see that in the Firelink Shrine. It's all this undead kind of ruin covered in moss. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, um, you know, a graveyard near you. There's graves everywhere. And like, you you, you know, when you step into this world that something is wrong, really wrong. And that doesn't need to be told to you. It's shown to you. That's how the story kind of works. Yeah, the opening cutscene tells you basically everything you need to know. And if if you don't go reading in those item descriptions, the opening cutscene is all of the story you're going to get besides some things that NPCs say that are not always no not always they're almost never like directly telling you the story uh, the way that a lot of games would do so in the opening cutscene, they say uh, this takes place in the kingdom of lordran and the opening cutscene tells you dragons once ruled the land uh, and there was like a, a primordial fire called the first flame that was kindled and these four beings 
find these uh, Lord souls around the first flame. And that's Gwyn, that's Nito, the Witch of Isolith, and the Furtive Pygmy, a.k.a. Jack Allen, my guest on this episode. So oh, yeah. easily forgotten, the Furtive Pygmy. And they show these to you in the opening cutscene. And this begins what's called the Age of Fire, which would be our normal world where humans are living and thriving in the Age of Fire. But the Age of Fire is coming to an end as this flame is dying, basically. So you play as an undead character. Uh, your character has a curse that causes them to become undead. Uh, at the beginning of the game, your character is just sitting in a uh, what's called an undead asylum, where the undead are just put in there to just hang out and be undead and not bother other people, I guess. <laughs> just to chill. Just chilling. I mean, it's like, hey, I've counted every um, rock in my cell. Ah, but have you named them all? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's how long you've been there. You're just chilling in there, and uh, some dude throws you down a key, and you get out. And uh, so, like, the chosen undead is the one that's able to escape from this asylum. Uh, the NPC tells you, go ring a bell, and that's all the story setup you get. And they take you to Firelink Shrine, and you're off. So that's all I'm going to say uh, about the story now. I do th I do agree with you. The story is good. It's a very interesting fantasy story. But I would venture to say that most people who play this game are not going to pick up the fine details of the story just because of the way that Miyazaki chose to tell the story. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very autorial, in a sense. Like, um, you know, the Metal Gear Solid games it, uh, is the other side of that, where the story is everything and the gameplay yeah. is much more minimal um, uh, in focus, where this, 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 is, is, the this is the opposite. Yeah. yeah. The, the famous kind of anecdote goes, and I feel like this is old hat for people listening if you're big Souls fans like me and Jack, but for people listening who are not big Souls fans, the, the story goes that when Miyazaki, uh, the director of the game, uh, kind of the... They, they call him an auteur now of all the Souls games, um, except for Dark Souls 2, which is why it's kind of the black sheep of the family. But the story goes that Miyazaki, when he was a kid, uh, he was pretty poor and his family couldn't afford to buy uh, a bunch of books for him. And he had some English books that he could get from the library, like fantasy books and D&D &D books and stuff like that. But he didn't speak great English so he could only understand parts of them and his imagination filled in the blank. And so he wanted to tell this story in the same way where he, they're giving you bits and pieces of the story and you fill in the rest, which is part of why Jack said that when you play dark souls, the story becomes like, yeah, what you're doing in the world, but also like what you, the character are doing and your experiences against the bosses and stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's, it's, kind of incredible just the ballsiness to make that choice i mean yeah I, I i love that we live in a universe that that has dark souls you know because it's just changed video uh video games you know and how they're made um and it's just nice to have stories that doesn't ho don't hold your hand or games that don't hold your hand um because i think we're all tired of the the chosen one archetype you know, in, in storytelling, like Harry Potter and all this kind of stuff, you know, yeah. go do this. But th this is the same. 
but it's a completely fresh take on that, you know. So Miyazaki filling in the blanks is um, just so unique. Yeah, it, it's really, really cool. And it's, I'm sure it was a breath of fresh air at the time. If you think about like other really big video games from 2010 era, you know, you like Skyrim, basically, this yeah. is the anti Skyrim or Metal Gear Solid is another example of like, just something that's so far on the other end of the spectrum from this style of storytelling. And that's not to say that I don't like those games. And, you know, if I want a game with a great story, I actually do want it to be told to me more directly than Dark Souls does it. But I do super, super respect this uh, type of storytelling. One more thing to get into before we get into our final thoughts is to just talk briefly about um, the music in this game. And partly because this game is famous for not having music. So when you're going through the levels, there is no music. And it's just the sound of your character's footsteps, except for Firelink Shrine, uh, which you have already heard this song uh, throughout this episode, or in this episode at some point. So really the only music you get is the boss fights. And it sets up, in my opinion, it sets up this kind of um, transition between like, this somewhat peaceful but very lonely exploration of the levels and then you get into a boss fight and suddenly the music is like that and it's this it makes these boss fights feel very very epic it's cool yeah very good your body reacts to the music in very physical (laughs) ways i mean yes it does sweaty hands tight butthole yeah um you might need to stand up you know, <laughs> sitting down while playing a boss fight just feels too chill. You, you know? at least need to lean forward, for sure. Yeah. You need to lean yeah. forward. I, I, I think I've wiped my hands like 10 times for every boss fight, even if yeah. I've done it 10 times before yep. in the past. Um, the music is a huge part of that. Like, it's triggering fight or flight sensations in you. It's so bombastic and big. But then sometimes it can have lovely little melodies and... Um, kind of like gives you a little break and then goes bam back into it again. Um, yeah. The, the Dark Souls OST on YouTube, um, you know, if you want to get through a deadline, you know, really good. Really good to listen <laughs> yeah. To. <laughs> that should be another tip slash rule for new Dark Souls players. Don't let the boss music psych you out uh, because it is big and bombastic and intense a lot of times when you actually need to stay calm and think and not uh, not let that add to your stress. Actually, in the in this game, in Dark Souls One, there are a lot more kind of reserved uh, boss tracks uh, than yeah. maybe in some of the later games, and definitely Bloodborne, uh, where it's all you know big choirs and stuff like that. And in Dark Souls, there are a lot of more reserved boss tracks that kind of set the mood for that particular fight. So I, yeah. I really like. Uh, the Firelink Shrine sound, uh, the Firelink Shrine song, and then there are some boss fights, uh, some music we'll talk about in the spoiler section, but some that I think are excellent at setting the mood for the fight. It's like a Firelink is like a hug when you've been away from it for a long time. Yes, and you get to it listen is. to it. You're like, I feel so safe. Yeah, exactly. You hear that music kick in maybe when you've been away from home for too long, and you're like, oh, thank God. I'm here. I yeah. made it. <laughs> Open yeah. up a cold can of Estes with the boys. 
Yep, exactly. <laughs> you and uh, you and some of those skeletons. Get a few of the skeletons from the graveyard yeah. to come over. Pop open some. Uh... Do you think Estes is hot? Is it? It's fire, right? I, yeah, it is so fire. It's hot. Yeah. So it's, it's like a it's like a hot land. sake or something like that. Yeah, like it like that's that's it's it's such a warm thing to have. You know, I would it would have to be hot. Yeah, in Dark Souls three, you can find Estes soup. Uh, around the Ooh. world in a couple of locations that's what it's actually called estus soup uh, but in dark souls one it's just from the flask i don't know maybe it is soup i think it's spicy i'd say it's spicy like pumpkin you know or something like that it first of all very funny that you think pumpkin is spicy and <laughs> very on brand um yeah. but but yeah i would say it's definitely got some heat to it for sure so um, let's uh, take a break. When we come back, it is time for kind of final thoughts in summary and housekeeping before the spoiler section for Dark Souls. And it's time for final thoughts in summary before the spoiler section for Dark Souls. So guest always gets to go first. Jack, what would you say uh, to sum up this non-spoiler section for Dark Souls? Um, I would say absolutely. It's it's a once-in-a-lifetime kind of game. And if you don't play it while you've got the time and the opportunity to play Dark Souls, you'll probably kick yourself, you know. Um, Dark Souls is great to get into at different times of your life, I would say, like when you're when you're a teenager, you know, good to learn some good life skills from playing Dark Souls. You know, you can get that from the game. It's good to play when you're in college because you can chat to your mates about Dark Souls and challenge them to play. It's great to play like, you know, when you're in a relationship or something like that, you know, and, you know, you get to relieve that different parts of stress in your life. You know? <laughs> it's great to play after work for the same reason. And, uh-huh. you know, maybe you've got a kid on the way. And you want to, you know, just go into a world on your own and, you know, fight and play like this. You know, Dark Souls can be played at any time, you know. And I always think that it's it's just one of those very unique games as we've gone through over the last while in this podcast. Uh, you rarely see um, a game this fresh. You know, I don't think they come around all that often. Um, so, so, yeah, I would say just go get it, play it. It's okay to die. There's nothing wrong with dying in Dark Souls. It's all part mm-hmm. of the experience. And uh, have fun. And uh, talk to your friends about playing Dark Souls because, you know, they could help you. They might jump on. You know, you'll get a bit of a, a co-op experience going. It's one of the best ways to play Dark Souls in in my point of view. Play it with a friend all the way through. and You guys will have an experience that will feel like a dream. And you'll be in the pub or something like that, talking with your mates, and they'll be jealous listening to your epic stories about how you fought a giant dog with a sword in its mouth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 100%. Uh, so 
what I'll say is that I, I also agree. Like if you if you like action games, if you like action kind of RPG games, I, I think Dark Souls is required uh, gaming. Like I said about Disco Elysium in that episode, if you like that kind of game, it's required. Um, if you're interested in kind of the history of where games are going, when people write the history of games in the 21st century, Dark Souls is going to be very high on that list of games that people talk about because it's inspired so many in the last decade. So if you're interested in that, it's definitely worth playing. I would say it's, I don't think it's for everybody because I know people who are uh, not in it for that process of going through and dying a bunch of times and learning why you died and uh, trying to do a little bit better next time. I know people who are not into that thing. And if you're not into that, then you're not going to be into this, I think. But I would say still, like, give yourself some credit. You can do this. Uh, If this game was as impossible as some people would have you believe, it would not have inspired, you know, the last 10 years of, you know, video games and inspired even things like the God of War game from a couple years ago is quite difficult. And I think you can trace that straight back to uh, Dark Souls making it okay and acceptable for AAA games to be difficult and challenging. So I think that, like, you know, you know yourself as a gamer. And if you know this sounds like I would hate it and get frustrated, then trust yourself. Don't play it. You know, your your life is going to be fine without it. But for everyone else, I do think this is a game that, that should be played. It's in the... Uh, pantheon of games that like when I started this podcast I was like okay I gotta do a Dark Souls episode sometime because this this game means a lot to me so um, we'll just say right now Jack thanks for coming on and talking about Dark Souls Um, you are a fantastic artist Jack people who are listening to this you can see the cover art for Tales from the Backlog that was Jack so, Jack, do you want to plug uh, your art that you do? Where can people find the stuff that you do? Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate what you said there. It means a lot to me. I've, I've come a long way from doodling in class um, <laughs> <laughs> when I should have been teaching. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think um, if you want to see my artwork, I have a Instagram, which is probably the best way to find me. And that's Jack Allen Caricatures, because I do caricatures. I draw pictures of people and try and make them laugh and cry and giggle and um, draw some super weird stuff like Dark Souls as well mixed in and uh, design games and comic books as well. You can find that all there and there'll be a a link to that in the description because spell caricatures is quite a challenge sometimes, you know. Actually, Uh, every episode of this show has a link to uh, your instagram and your other uh your other pages because of uh the artwork which i think is fantastic so ah, thank you that's awesome thank you um so yeah that that's really all it is to me i'm like uh, miyazaki i could say like uh you know there's my art you if you want to see more click the link and uh give me a follow or uh, like some of my artwork or in fact give me some criticism because that helps me get better um so yeah so you I heard think. it here first. I said all the nice things about Jack's artwork. Everyone else, it's fair game to just tee off and 
Yes. Yep. <laughs> you don't. You don't. I, I played Dark Souls. I mean, I've been through it. You know, I've heard all the worst <laughs> yeah, things already. <laughs> true. Nothing. Uh, nothing. Someone can say uh, could hurt you more than your first time trying to fight Ornstein and Smo. So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, as far as this podcast goes. If you're going to tap out now because you don't want spoilers, uh, if you want to experience these things we're going to talk about for the first time, I do recommend that. Even though I don't think the story is, you know, super spoilable, this is not like uh, some of the more story-focused games that we've had on the show before. But if you want to tap out now, I totally understand. Go play the game. Go get these experiences. I do not think you'll regret it. But if that's you, thank you for listening. And if you want to support this show... The best thing to do is to tell people about it. I know how much people don't like to be recommended things in general, but tell people about the show. Uh, Leave a rating and review if your platform allows it, such as on Apple Podcasts or on Good Pods. And check out the social media pages for Tales from the Backlog. The links will be in the episode description. And I also do a podcast called A Top 3 Podcast where we pick topics each week, sometimes video games related, but most of the time not. We pick our top threes in that topic, and we discuss some recent episodes that you may want to check out have been about our top three stand-up comedians, our top three South Park episodes, and our top three Beatles songs. So check those out if that sounds interesting to you, a top three podcast. We are going to take a break, and when we come back, it's spoiler time for Dark Souls. Okay, we're back and it's spoiler time for Dark Souls. And in this spoiler section, we are actually not going to focus much on the story. We'll talk about some of the implications as we get to certain things in the spoiler uh, wall, but the story is not my forte. Um, I'm still not super comfortable talking about specific details. Uh, This is not really what I play this game for. And I've said this in some previous games, but when I play... I just kind of vibe with the atmosphere and little story bits that I pick up, and I don't really focus too much on it. So we're going to go through that, and also we're going to talk about bosses a little bit, but remember we do have a bonus uh, boss tier list episode coming out later this week where a lot of the boss discussion will be. So uh, without any further ado, let's get started. So when you start out the game, you're... Goal is to ring the two bells of awakening, and one is up in the undead parish, and one is down in Blight Town. So, Jack, which one do you go for first? I always go for the gargoyles. Um, yeah, I think that's the right it, call. It's 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 just um, it, it makes sense, you know. Like you're you're kind of pulled that way with the opening up of um, shortcuts anyway. So yeah. As you as you as you get closer to the bells, you hear them more. And fighting the two gargoyles is the first time you're going to be introduced to two bosses at once. You know, you've met met Solaire, He brings you in for the co-op, 
And and that's just such such a cool experience where you get that cutscene. It, it sets you off. It kind of makes you think that this is how it was intended to go. Where if you have the option to do the other um, bell tower, you're going to be like an experienced player, I think. Yeah, as soon as I asked the question, I was like, oh, everyone should go to the parish first, I think. Fight the gargoyles. Uh, the gargoyles are interesting because there's a lot of people you, they usually co-op there. Like you can usually find a bunch mm. of summon signs because people are oh, yeah. people are, to in order to get the best uh, lightning magic, the best miracles. You have to co-op. I think it's I think it's thirty times to get the best one. Um, wow! You you get a sunlight medal every time you succeed on a boss as a uh, as a summoned uh, helper. So. I camped out at the gargoyles and helped new players there a lot of times. And it's, it's always That's fun. Awesome. The, the lightning spears, they just melt most of the bosses. So yeah. it, it's good fun. Do you ever just go into co-op and like, you know, you look epic, you know, like they're like, Oh yeah, this guy's going to be real good help. And uh, you just don't help. You just sit there oh, yeah. and cheer them on. You're like, yeah, oh, okay. the sun. <laughs> no, I was going to say like, I definitely go into co-op and like i look like i know what i'm doing and you should expect you know your your summon to know what they're doing and then i just die in like five seconds that happens <laughs> yeah, to fall, me sometimes back roll off a ledge or something like that you know I've, yeah. I've done that so many times for the gargoyles where you're just like oh fire or it's flying in the air just poof, gone <laughs> yeah <laughs> happens so and often those, those uh those first few levels are pretty good like tutorial of pretty much everything you need to learn um that dragon comes and burns the bridge in between uh the undead burg and the parish and that's such a good moment yeah and it you know it's why i saved it for the spoiler section to talk about it because everyone should experience that for the first time um, yeah you you see this big bridge full of enemies and you're like because you like steal yourself and you're like okay all right, let's go. I'm ready. Let's take it, skeletons, and then the dragon flies across and burns everything to a crisp. It's it's amazing. It's such a great kind of experience of just sort of like, you know, screw you, you know. And uh, because I've been seeing um, my brother play it, um, I've been reliving those experiences through him. Yeah. You know, so I, he, he'd be like, oh, what do I do next? And I'm like, you just go that way, I guess. He just runs straight ahead. Boom. It's crispy. You know, and you just kind of go, oh, I remember when that happened to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's long like telling ago. an old war story. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Did, uh, did you get the Drake sword? Did you ever get the Drake sword? Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, my, my first buddy playthrough. Tom told me about that. Yeah. Yeah. My first playthrough, that was my weapon for most of the game. When I was talking wow. in the non-spoiler section about like noob weapons that don't scale well that's the drake sword because it, it's really good when you get it and then it fucking sucks like halfway through the game yeah i i don't think we should tell people how to get it i think they should ask someone they know in their own life or a friend or mate or someone like that they might have <laughs> who's played the game okay. and go have you heard of the drake sword Do you know how to get it because that's how i figured out how to get it and i always tell people personally how they can get it rather than finding it out another way. Because I think I, I don't read th on, I don't think there's there's much online about it. I think I saw it on Reddit my first time. I mean there's definitely yeah. a lot online now, but maybe not the first time you played. So yeah. um so after you ring that first bell, you should be going down into Blighttown, which is like 
This is the one where people tell war stories about the first time they went yeah. through Blighttown, especially back in the day when, uh, like the FPS would drop really low and like the the consoles couldn't really handle Blighttown back in the day. Yeah, it's yeah. it's fine now, but back in the day, that's definitely how it was. It it would give people like anxiety, you know, like they they just can't kind of get themselves past the the visual muck of Blighttown, you know, the darkness and all that calls back, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, just memories of just being stuck in a wall or falling off a ledge and, yeah. you know, just, just pointless death in Blighttown. It's one of the first places in the game where you have to do a little bit of platforming and mm. uh, Dark Souls games always have some platforming, even though the game engine is not built for platforming. So, like, you will... Sometimes you'll think it's safe to like go over to a ledge and you'll just slide right off of it or something like that and die. You'll fall yeah. like a million feet to your death in Blight Town. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. I remember because um, I was co-oping it, uh, I would be like, "Hey Tom, um, I'm on the um, that platform. You know, the, it's made of wood. It's got like moss on it, and it's got like leather and you know slimy stuff and a vase." Yeah, I'm on that one. He's like, which one? There's like 50 in here. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, the one that's near the one that's got three other platforms that have muck and moss and a ladder. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And for hours, that's how we would describe to each other where to put our summoning stones. Um, yeah. So like, we we I have like a weird kind of callback of Blight Town, making like random jumps of faith. You know, like just leaping to see if you could make it to another area. And yeah. like, it's just so kind of brutal and epic and by the time you get down to the bonfire like you know you're like oh finally a bit of safety but it's not like the firelink shrine it's a different experience (laughs) no it's it's definitely like you're in relative safety but you're next to this like you know lake of poison basically yeah so and bees (laughs) yeah and all the mosquitoes and all those things in the water it's a it's a very gross what this is a funny thing that like people in the souls community talk about is how terrible a lot of these areas must smell. Yeah. <laughs> Blight town has to be one of the worst for sure. Definitely. I think it's, it just, it's so decrepit and you're going to spend such a long time there. I think because like if you're a new player or even, even as a, an older player, like just going down there is just so arduous, you know, to yeah. go in and out takes a long time. If you haven't unlocked fast travel, Dude, yeah. even if you're even if you're playing for like your second or third playthrough, it's still it's still challenging. You still have to take your time. Like Blight Town is only quick for like speedrunners. The rest of us, it's still. I mean, it's still tough. Yeah, I remember. And you're doing still gonna what? slide off a platform and die randomly a couple times. Yeah, have you ever done like a training montage for Blight Town? because <laughs> i remember it was like it was like rocky four where we were like going to um the the forest area getting moss getting anti-poison stuff you know uh getting arrows to shoot people in the distance uh, getting torches we were like mm-hmm. we got a kid up you know and we'd run all over the map to get all these items and by the time we get there we're a few levels higher we've upped our resistance for anti-poison you know our shields are bigger you know we're both wearing the biggest shields we can get you know, we're sticking together, like inching our way forward through Blight Town, you know, and then we just get shot in the back with a poison arrow. You know, that's <laughs> that's Blight Town. Yeah, definitely. 
it's uh like we said it it's that it's the level maybe the next one too but this mm-hmm. is like the level where people share like oh god my first time going through blight town that was hellish the other one that i think might be like that is when you ring the second bell and sen's fortress opens up and sen's fortress is like a playhouse of uh traps and Sends is pretty easy now, now that I know what's going on. But my first time, I was just constantly getting run over by boulders or, like, uh, just getting ambushed all the time. And yeah, lots and lots of deaths down there. Yeah, I, the the traps and the, the puzzles really didn't bother me. Uh, like, I was, I was doing it back-to-back. My friend would run up to the top and be like, clear. I'd run up to the next bit, clear. Like, he carried me a lot of the way. But <laughs> you guys are like a SWAT team going through a house. Yes. Oh, it was unreal. We were checking our sixes. We were like, ball coming down, duck, yeah. you know. Like, there was so much communication. That's why co-op is such a good way to play Dark Souls. Because yeah. it adds a lot to the experience. And then, like, one of the, the snake enemies will fall or land on Sigmir and just cast him to his doom. You mm-hmm. know, and you'll just be like, oh, I was hoping to talk to that guy. He's got cool yeah. armor, you know. Um, but... Yeah, the traps never bother me, but those snakes are just brutal. They're yeah, so tough. Those snakes are tough. Um, I'm in uh, playing Kingsfield Four right now, which is a game that From Software did in 2001, and those snakes are in that game too. And uh, they're a little bit easier in that game, but it's the exact same snakes. So I'm like, and there's a level in that game that's like the, you know, the the proto version of Sen's Fortress. Oh. It's really interesting. So that's cool. Um, yeah. Sense fortress is again, it's not that hard now that this happens when you play, um, the first time you play, I bet sense fortress feels like it goes on forever because you're dying a bunch. Uh, you have to learn all these traps. Same thing for blight town, but these areas are actually not that big. And sense takes like, you know, 15 minutes to get through now. Uh, it's not yeah. so bad. And, the boss is super easy, and then you're on to Anne Orlando, which is a cool cutscene when the gargoyles come and they pick you up and carry you uh, into Anne Orlando, and then they just like dump you at the entrance, like yeah. very unceremoniously. It's yeah. good. These angels that collect you and bring you to the chosen land of heaven that is yeah. Orlando. It's such a weird experience that is, you know, for the first time. Like, you're just like, what? Where the fuck are these guys? You know, <laughs> they pull you up. Can I fight them? Can I talk to them? Yeah. <laughs> no, they're just <laughs> going about their business, not interested in talking to you at all. And it's a really weird level to, like, go through because, like, the, everything looks familiar, but, it, like, it looks like these, like, European, you know, cathedrals and stuff like that. But, like you're not going through like the ground level of things and things are like the ground levels don't like match up with each other. Like you, you go through, you're walking on what you think is the ground and then you go into the rafters of a chapel and then you go through that and you come out on the ground again and then you go down this stairway to nowhere and then, you know, you go up another staircase, suddenly you're in the bottom of another chapel. Like the, you like the geometries don't like match up and it feels very, very, uh, fantasy. Then you yeah. get to the archers. Yes. Oh my God. The archers. <laughs> Another one of those horror story things people talk about the archers. 
so epic. Like, just one of those epic fuck you moments. Um, I do remember strong feelings about the archers. Um, like, running up tower shields. You know, my buddy would be behind me. He'd take the other guy. You know, so I had a little bit easier than others, I think. But I think it was about 20 tries to get past those guys. Like, it, it was still tough as fuck. Dude, even, um, excuse my, even my second playthrough, <laughs> I had played... Uh, in the same year, I played Bloodborne, uh, Dark Souls 2 and 3, and then I replayed Dark Souls 1, and the archers still killed me like 15 times. Like, there, there are a lot of people who say they're actually really easy, and I just don't... I just don't believe it. You you get so psyched out when you're running up that that like uh you know that that very thin platform you have to run yeah. up. You get so psyched out because you see that arrow coming. The arrows are really slow. Like you can see them coming, and you're like, okay, I can dodge. Nope, it just knocked me off the edge. And they're big arrows. Yeah, they're, they're huge. <laughs> they're like spears. Have Have you ever um, met an invader who's around the ledge? And they'll just block the ledge. No, that never yeah. happened to me. There's a lot of invaders in there. Like, that's the place that I mostly get invaded is uh, right after you get past the archers and you go in that window and there's the bonfire where Solaire is. Yeah, That's the one where I get invaded the most, which is fucked up because I'm always trying to summon help for Ornstein and Smo. Um, mm. But there's always people invading there. Yeah, it's, it's really um, kind of anticlimactic kind of feeling before you go in to fight the big bad you know it's such a challenging area especially with the giant knights that are at the front and everything and there's like it's it's almost too much i would say like a lot of people kind of find that ornsting and smoke are the end of the game you know and it's yeah it's the end of the first half of the game for sure yeah and like we're gonna talk about them in the boss tier list episode but I think they're the hardest boss uh, in the main game. Not the hardest in the whole thing. One of the mm. DLC bosses is harder for me. Yeah. But they're, I think they're by far the hardest boss in the, the main part of the game. Yeah. Have you ever fought them on your own? Or nope. do you always summon? I mean, I've tried lots and lots of times, but I can't, just couldn't beat them by myself. I think I got them once. Um, on my own, and but I they're couldn't they're the it. perfect boss for summoning. It's 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 what they were made mm. for is for summoning, I think. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, helping other people beat them is fun. It is, yeah. It's a good place to put your summon sign down uh, to help other people. They um, in the later Dark Souls games, there are bosses that are like specifically designed around summoning other players, uh, but. This one, I think they just designed it like a two-on-one fight is pretty, well, really difficult. So I think they want you to summon uh, for Ornstein and Smo. Definitely. I saw a, um, there was a Twitch where someone was trying to beat them using the bow in first-person mode Un- uh, without help. Brutal. I mean... You've seen you've seen it all as far as like Dark Souls challenge runs go. You've seen people beat it with the rock band guitar and stuff like that. Yeah. So, like, if anyone uh, has jumped into the spoiler channel and you think Dark Souls is too hard, there's people who've beat Dark Souls with the guitar or a potato. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or they, the drums. They put some 
two electrodes into a potato and that's what they're using. I'm sure yeah, someone's so, done it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's great. In, in Orlando, there's a, uh, the hidden area, the painted world, which is totally optional. Mm. And I think it's a really cool level. And yeah. it's, uh, I actually think I did find this my first playthrough cause I was doing a good job of exploring and finding, uh, finding items, but it's totally possible and probable. I think that a lot of people, if you're not reading a guide would miss the painted world, which is a shame cause it's really cool. Yeah. The painted world, uh, from what I've heard, is that it's like the uh, trial or design brief for Dark Souls, where they wanted to design levels that had different kind of feels mm -hmm. and practice and prepare themselves for designing the whole game. So it's like a microcosm of Dark Souls itself. And it, it wasn't meant to be in the game at all. And they just were like, oh, we have space. Let's, let's fit it in. That makes and sense because, because you yeah. see uh, in the painted world, you have to fight the Phalanx, which is a Demon Souls boss. It's the first boss in Demon Souls. Yeah. Um, and it's just a regular enemy in there. So that kind of makes sense if they were designing it that way. Um, yeah. 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 There's some really good breakdowns on YouTube about the painted world. Uh, definitely check them out. I'm sure there are. Yeah. So uh, back to Anne Orlando. Um, do you turn the lights out in in Orlando? No, never, never, yeah. never. I Me mean, either. It, it that's that's like I I just love Gwyn. I think her name is isn't it Guinevere? Guinevere, yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to remember her name. <laughs> Gwyn has <laughs> a like, uh, so Gwyn has Gwyns. a George Foreman situation going on where all of his kids <laughs> are named after himself. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. yeah, Guinevere. Guinevere, yeah. I I just I just love the story behind her and how she was designed right why really, she's really why awesome. she's in the game if anyone's listening and doesn't know she's a uh she's a, a large uh, woman with very large breasts um in the game and it was one of the like character designers like fetishes basically and that's why that character design and she is i mean she is huge compared to your like your player avatar she's like 30 times the size of your player avatar yeah i mean it it was one of those kind of like like why is this here kind of moments and yeah. like when when you kind of read into it and you do some research i think it came down to uh the, the director miyazaki just kind of going looking at the artist who just designed this lovingly created character and he understood the scale and everything Miyazaki just goes, I didn't have the t heart to tell him no. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So the story goes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the legend as it goes, I think. Yeah. So when you're going through Anne Orlando, if you attack her, uh, she will disappear and all of the light goes out in Anne Orlando. And it, it, up until now, it was like this beautiful, like sunlit area. And you find out that that was all an illusion uh, being propped up uh, by her. Uh, or like this illusory version of her. I'm not totally sure on the details, but yeah, it's I don't do brother. that. I like the way, uh, oh, it's her brother. It's it's Gwendolyn yeah. that's doing yeah. it. It's um, kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't do that either. I like the way it looks more when it's lit up. Yeah. It, Anne Orlando is like one of those areas where you feel a, a little safer for the, the brightness. You know, you, you don't feel as kind of um, like this weight of like decay upon you, you know, 
but it is epically dangerous there but you just don't feel that external weight of the level design yeah for sure it's it's definitely much more comfortable with the lights on and yeah it's a it's a cool level and then this begins uh, you get the lord vessel after this and this begins your uh kind of like non-linear section of the game where you can go take on uh, the four um lords or you you go get the four lord souls or parts of the lord souls uh from these four spokes so you need to go to new londo ruins uh to fight the four kings uh the new londo ruins have a very cool um story where as far as i remember uh in order to contain the undead curse uh they basically just flooded this entire place uh this entire like settlement so that's why it's all it's underwater uh, a lot of it is underwater and there's all these ghosts going around uh, and that's because this was a kind of a town where people were living and they just fucking flooded it to uh, take care of the undead problem. <laughs> can't, cur- can't curse us if we're already dead. Yeah. You know. It's it's one of the most daunting areas of the game. It's one of the easily. hardest. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, like, there's all those ghosts. Where. The ghosts can go through walls. You're not really sure where you need to go. Mm. It, it was much more, um, I think, daunting as well before they patched the game, I think. When you initially got curses, they would stack and you could get cursed multiple times until you had like less and less health. But the only place you could buy the remedy to the curse was down in the New Lando ruins from this one person on a cathedral who was like very deep into the level. Oh yeah, that merchant so up there. It's really deep pe- down there. It was a huge challenge to get to him um, that it made the game almost impossible to play. I think they they patched that out. You also need a special item to even hurt the ghosts in the New Londa Ruins. You need those transient curses uh, to Mm. even hurt the enemies there. So you can get right underneath the bonfire and fire link is the elevator to go down to New Londa Ruins. And you can go down there right away. Uh, You should if you're a sorcerer because there's a dude who sells spells down there. But... Uh, you can't hurt the enemies down there. So it's like the cemetery next to Firelink and then this where you can go down there before you're ready to and you'll just get fucking killed because you can't hurt anything. Yeah, it's amazing to just have those two areas that are much later in the game supposed to be, but you can just access them as a new player. It's it's such a <laughs> it's such an amazing moment where I've I've read and heard stories about people who've just just toughed it through those areas never gave up yeah and they've had a totally different experience to everybody else you know like they've they've gone into into the new londo ruins and they're like i have no idea what's going on yeah (laughs) same for that cemetery um i know a lot of people like on their repeat playthroughs will go down into the catacombs and get items uh, even though you can't Mm. kill the skeletons uh without a, a holy weapon i think it's a holy weapon or something like that and the game will give you some so uh, speaking of daunting areas uh, the tomb of the giants is uh really hard it's so dark down there yeah tomb of giants is amazing Um, it's really good i love the skeleton enemies down there but it's so fucking dark and there's these bottomless pits all over the place 
Patches yeah, is down there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Such a great character. Yeah. He's one of the he's one of the better NPCs that you'll remember. And I think he's he's a holdover character yeah. from other games. So anyone who's a fan will be rewarded. Um he's, he's a he's really a real asshole guy. in Bloodborne. So ready oh. for that when you get to him. He's a real dick. I thought he was really trustworthy. Well, that's what he's he's trusty patches. Trusty patches. Yeah. <laughs> If you if you've got a rip or a tear, put a patch on it. We'll fix it. That's patches. Yeah. So yeah, Tomb of the Giants, one of the most um one of the most daunting areas. It's so dark, you can't see. Uh you get a lantern, but in order to use it, you have to use one of your weapon like slots to hold this lantern. Uh there's another item you can get uh the... that the helmet it's like a uh, the helmet that glows at the top yeah um, sunlight maggot helmet i think yeah you can use that instead of holding the lantern but i normally don't have that so i think i just use the lantern but yeah and we'll talk about these bosses um in the next episode we'll talk about the four kings we'll talk about nito um the other kind of spokes on this Lord Vessel quest are the Duke's archives uh, where you fight Seath, who was Jack's um, personal final boss or personal like thing you're trying to get to. Yeah, I'll see where Seath is. Yeah, he's, he's, he's up there. Seath is, uh, Seath is the only time in the game where you have to die. Uh, when you first meet Seath, he kills you and puts you in his, um, his prison. I think I had about like 40,000 souls on me that first time. <laughs> yeah. Rest in peace. Um, pour one out for all those souls that, that Seath took from you. But that, that prison area is really cool. I really like that. You're, you start at the bottom and you're working way, your way up or you start kind of in the middle and you're working way, your way um, through this prison. It's so different to everything you've experienced in Dark Souls. It's such a great like just switch in the mode of play where you've been like linear you've been branching off and then here's this moment where like you wake up somewhere random like you did at the start of the game in a prison now you're back in a prison this is weird and it's a totally different experience um it's it's very cool um and the the whole enemies there are very different and um you're you're going to be going through like a undead is it the undead asylum but like higher level um oh when you go back to the undead asylum no well it's it's similar in level design right right kind of i mean this is more of a big cylinder that you just Mm. have to find the way out of Um, yeah and then when you do you get into the duke's archives which is very cool i love a big like library basically super cool level and the ice cavern which fucking sucks or the crystal caves um Whatever oh. they call, I hate that. That's the one you have to run through the entire thing every time you die to Seath. Yeah, it's one of the worst Brutal. boss runs in the whole game. Yeah, thanks to the um, the messages left by other players, you will you will do better in the game. So your friend who played the game without those messages in that area, how they would have had no guide to know yeah. where to walk because there's these like Indiana Jones like ledges that you can't see. Yeah, you know, you can drop um, you can drop prism stones, 
that will stay. Uh, and that's how a lot of people mark those message or mark those paths. But yeah, uh, the messages really help again. Like, I don't know. And I tried to tell him, I was like, dude, play Cause he, he played it on a PS three, which was not connected to the internet or like the PS three version of the game servers had been shut down or something like that. So I was trying to tell him like, dude, don't just buy it on switch, man, play it online. And he, he didn't, he got through it though, but yeah, fuck, that, fuck that cave. Um, the Seath boss fight sucks. I think we'll talk about that next time. Yeah. Getting cursed is no fun, but it is cool that you see other, uh, bodies of cursed, uh, characters. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. The, the it sets you up for the, the mood. After you get all of these, um, Lord souls. Oh, Ooh, there's one more we got to talk about, which is Lost Isolith and the Demon Ruins. Oh, yeah. uh, which is, or is it the Demon Ruins in Dark Souls 1? It's definitely Lost Isolith. Yeah. Demon Ruins, yeah. Close enough. Um, going down from uh, Quilag's place. You fight the uh, the awesomely named Ceaseless Discharge, which has got to be the grossest boss name ever. <laughs> and then uh, into guy. Lost Isolith, which is famously... Um, rushed and not finished uh in time for when the game shipped so it's like kind of half-baked as an idea but it's like a lava level with all these fucking dinosaurs and stuff it's so weird it's super weird (laughs) yeah it's brilliant if you if you thought they could like mix it up like from the other games or levels like blight town and um uh the bishop's archive or duke's archives like this is just like a whole other level of mixing it up and like they didn't even finish it but it's still super duper challenging and engaging as well like you, you, do you remember the enemies that are like these like stone floating dragon urns that like breathe yeah. fire on you like mm-hmm. they just i i loved them like they they weren't necessarily difficult but just visually everything about them was just so weird and this is also part of a couple of NPC quests. Like you got to do something with Sigmire down here, I think. And it's really hard to mm. keep him alive. And this is where um, Solaire's quest finishes uh, down yeah. here. And he's got that, uh, just like that brutal um, kind of horror thing where he's looking for the sun, the whole game following the sun. And then those like sunlight maggots like burrowed into his head. And now he thinks like he found the sun and you have to kill him. Uh, heartbreaking did you did you kill solaire oh yeah like by that like you gotta you gotta put solaire out of his misery you can't let him continue living like that and i think he attacks you too if i'm not mistaken he does yeah i think um yeah i think i i did as well but for the playthrough i'm going through at the moment i want to save save him do my best see if i can co-op him into the the final boss yeah. He but Solaire is such a good co-op partner throughout the whole game. He helps with the gargoyles, he helps with the uh the centipede boss that's in the lava. And I yeah. there's got to be a couple others where you can get Solaire's help. He's such a bro. He is, for sure. He's always there for you. Yeah. I have a I have a tattoo of Solaire's son actually on my back. Oh, nice. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, you haven't seen me without a shirt on for a while, so. 
It's true, yeah. We need to go shirtless again. <laughs> yeah, soon. <laughs> Sometime. Yeah. So yeah, uh, the bed of chaos is the boss here. This is where you get the last uh, Lord Soul. We'll talk about the bed of chaos next time in the boss tier list. But yeah, I see that face you're making. The bed of chaos is the worst, as has been well documented by anyone who's ever talked about Dark Souls. This is uh, just a horrible boss. Um, Chop the ball. Completely. What makes it so bad is that it's a puzzle boss and the solution to it is extremely easy. It's just really random how like whether it will do the attacks that push you into the bottomless pits and the boss run for it takes like five minutes. It's not hard. It's just really long and it sucks. Yeah. So Uh, I, I, I have a depressing story about that one we can get to in the in the extra episode in the tier list okay cool yeah i'll save it for that all right so saving a lot of boss stuff for the tier list but i do want to talk about gwyn and like the story implications so um when you get those you can open up the killed the kiln of the first flame uh which is like blasted with ash and uh like has been like fire blasted and all of Gwyn's uh, silver knights, their armor's all charred. They're black knights now. Um, it's very cool imagery in there. And then you fight Gwyn, who is the final boss. And Gwyn is like, uh, he's like lost his power over all of these attempts he's made at like keeping the flame alive, like over and yeah. over again. He's basically sacrificed himself in order to keep the uh, the age of fire going, um, but so by the you saw in the opening cutscene, you you see Gwyn throwing these like lightning spears. He's like fucking Zeus. He looks incredible. And then when when you fight him, he's like this sad, withered version of what he used to be. He's still kind of hard, unless you can parry. <laughs> yeah, is that that's what you did, right? Well, my first time. Uh, I didn't parry, so he was, like, extremely hard. I had to cheese it because there's a rock in his arena. Mm-hmm. You can kind of get him to stay on the other side of the rock. And I had okay. to do that because he's so difficult. If you can't parry, he's really hard. But if you can, and he's really easy to parry, too. So if yeah, you can parry, sword. he goes down really weakly if you know how to parry. Yeah. I'll I'll say I'll save my Gwyn story because it's it's like the final boss for uh, my co-op experience. I think I'll have to do it justice there. Okay. Um, but I did not know you could parry him until like I saw it on Reddit. Um, so that's why I'm on my parry backstab uh, playthrough to to do that and achieve that. Um, I think I think Gwyn is like a kind of an underrated boss. Um, in some cases, he gets a little overshadowed. Yeah. He gets overshadowed by Ornstein and Smo and some of the other more famous ones. I, I think that if you don't parry him, he's a pretty fun and difficult mm. uh, fight. Yeah. But that's like he's, the... He's classic. Yeah. He's, he's just a guy like you. you know? Yeah, he's just he's, a, he's, a dude he's not with a, monster. a sword. Yeah. I think Gwyn... Yeah, okay. We'll talk about details with Gwyn in the, the boss tier list episode. Um, one thing I do want to talk about... Um, Actually, before that, so you have the choice after you beat Gwyn. Do you snuff the flame or do you rekindle it? And that's your last choice. And as soon as you do that, the game is over. So, uh, Jack, what do you usually do? Do you put the flame out or do you uh, rekindle it? 
Um, I kindle the flame. Keep it going. Um, I keep it going. I, w- I wanted to see what was next. Like, um, I think I saw a great poster that breaks down the three Dark Souls. It's like, you know, one is like the chosen one who like reignites the fire. Mm-hmm. Two is like, you know, you're trying to then snuff that fire or like put a, put kill that king symbolically mm-hmm. and then three is to break the, the wheel or something they're all kind of linked in that way so i was like i'm going to kindle the flame to see if i can step up you know uh, basically that was that was kind of my thought um because mm-hmm. i've come this far I, I could keep the fire alive that, that's how i thought about it you know fair enough I've, I've, I've been igniting bonfires this whole time that's true what's one more right yeah I usually um I usually keep the fire going too even though like you've seen the state of the world and it's only probably going to get worse so like snuffing the fire out is a I don't know kind of just like hey let's let's put an end to all this I'm kind of down with that mm. kind of ending too but I do uh actually like instinctively my first time I just lit it without really knowing yeah what you know what the implication is because you you either light the fire and it kicks you to the credits or you exit Gwyn's room without lighting it and then it kicks you to the credits so i don't know i usually light it but i do like the kind of implications of not not doing it it's it's kind of a really poignant and interesting take on the saying um is it like from batman or something you uh you die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain you know yeah it, that that That's is perfectly encapsulated yeah so it's so cool and, and that can happen to you as well yeah and that does happen to you uh in dark souls 3 basically mm. so spoilers yeah well <laughs> yeah it's been out this long it's your own fault really yeah it, i mean it's it's a spoiler if you know what i'm talking about if you haven't played dark souls 3 i don't think it makes a whole lot of sense so yeah um okay just to give people a little taste um before we do the tier list episode one of my favorite things i mentioned before is that you and i play dark souls um a couple times each at least you many more times than me and we have bosses that we think are really difficult we have some that are really easy and it's different between people so i just want to get a quick kind of tally in again we'll talk about this in the tier list episode, but uh, what bosses really give you trouble in Dark Souls? I have to say the Bed of Chaos absolutely screwed me over. Mm-hmm. That it, it, it was just so egregious that I think months later, um, I like called up uh, my buddy and went, dude, thank you again for helping me with that one because that was so fucking tough. You know, mm-hmm. excuse my language there. Um, it was brutal. <laughs> <laughs> it was so brutal. Um, I it, it bit like, it, like you get to a certain point in in the game where you think you're epic, but just because you can't jump, you know, yeah. you can't reach a certain distance, it makes you feel so bad. You know, yeah. it was my it was my real point of going. I can't do this. You know, never before had I went. I, I'm done with this game. I'm done. You know, yeah, that's how it's... close I came to being done. The bed of chaos is so frustrating and it's such bullshit. The way that it's frustrating is because it's like 
it's just so random and you really don't have a way to avoid the attacks and the attacks if you get hit will maybe kill you in one hit or maybe sweep you into a bottomless pit that kills you in one hit and then you have to do that five minute boss run again it's fucking terrible so any other bosses (laughs) that you uh that give you trouble each time um i think um the ones that always give me the most trouble are the capper demon um he's just so special um I think that's that's really it for the the two kind of bosses that really kind of challenged me. The others are quite fair in difficulty, but it's the ones where they're most cheesy like that. Um where they they really they really push you. The stray demon as well, uh, when you return yeah. to the undead the asylum. Stray demon's tough. It hits like a fucking truck. Yeah. The arena as well doesn't help. I mean, yeah. cuz he's got this a- AoE thing, you know, area effect. Um you have to have certain items to to fight him. You have certain items to get down to him. Uh, yeah. He's really, really tough. Uh, it's nice to fight a version of that boss that feels like a boss, though. So I yeah. appreciate his fight a lot. Yeah, and you, there's a there's another version of that boss too, the Fire Sage Demon, that is like the same kind of thing, and it's pretty tough too because the arena has a bunch of shit all over the place that you can get caught on. So yeah, uh, yeah. What for, about what about you? Yeah, for me, the ones that gave me trouble my first time uh the four kings were like really really hard my first time because you have to dps race them you have to kill one before the next one comes and you certainly can't let three of them be on the screen at the same time so that was really hard uh capra demon i said i i rage quit and started a whole new character because of capra demon um capra demon's just when you know what to do, it's not that bad. Like I, when I replayed it last year, I didn't, I did I beat it on the first try. It's not so bad now, but it, it used to be real hard. Um, Ornstein and Smo always give me trouble. Uh, I can't beat them by myself. I always summon help. Uh, I think Manus is bullshit. I hate Manus. Yeah. Uh, Manus sucks. It, he's just too much. I think. And uh, Quilag was actually really hard my first try. Uh, my first nice, playthrough, uh, I, I died against Quilag several times and had to summon help. Uh, the last she, time she's, I played... She's fast. Yeah, yeah and she, she, she... She's a lot for, for someone. Yeah, she hits really hard uh, in your first try. and She's actually not that hard, uh, but your first playthrough, she's probably tough. I think if, if she was just a spider, she'd be hard. If she was just a, a woman, I mean, who knows? But the fact that she's a spider and a woman makes her like really difficult. I think there's a, there's a lot going on. She's got spider attacks and she's got human attacks and she's yeah. got like lava breath attacks and it's there's a lot to keep track of. Yeah, there's a lot of legs and arms going around. Yeah, and uh, yeah. So my second time through, my boss uh, walls were. Uh, Ornstein and Smo and Manus, basically. Even, like, Calamite. Calamite has a reputation for being really hard, and I think I beat Calamite on, like, my second try. Not that yeah. bad. Definitely not as hard as uh, Medir in Dark Souls 3. I need to get into Dark Souls 3 so bad. Yeah. It looks fantastic. And I'm very close to finishing Dark Souls 2 for the first time okay. as well. 
that game's good. Love Dark Souls 2. So underrated. We're at the point where we're talking about other Dark Souls games now, so I think yeah. it's time to uh, <laughs> to wrap this one up and uh, save our bo- our big boss talk uh, for the spoilers or the uh, the tier list episode. Yeah. So again, Absolutely. everyone, if you want uh, lots of Dark Souls boss talk, pay atten- keep your eyes out for the tier list episode, which will be coming out later this week. And once again, if you want to support this show ratings and reviews and telling your friends and subscribing and talking to me on social media about dark souls. Why don't you let me know what uh, bosses you had the most trouble with? And I'll be happy to talk to you about that. Uh, If you want to point out anything cool about the story that I missed, um, I do think the story's cool. I just don't pick up on it very easily. So yeah, feel free to talk to me about that and yeah, we'll say goodbye for this episode. Jack, thanks for coming on to talk about dark souls. Uh, thanks for having me on and definitely follow uh, the show um this podcast is awesome they're really hitting their stride now david is always on social media posting multiple times a day his his posts are really engaging uh, you're going to get a lot out of them and there's always a bit of a discussion going on for each one every time i see one of the uh daily posts that's like 24 hours long they're always really popular get on those there's like pauls there's true and falses all these kind of great opinions that you can share. So if you're a gamer, uh, you're into games or art or comedians or music, great, great podcast, great people to hang out with. There Appreciate that. So Jack will be with me for the Dark Souls Bosses tier list episode. So if you want more of that, again, keep your eyes out for that. That's coming up soon. But for today, that's going to be all. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We're past hour three on Dark Souls, and I don't regret a minute of it. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time. Bye-bye.